I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. Welcome back to another episode of the Musky Punks Podcast. I'm one of your three hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. Welcome to Talk Radio with Ryan Reed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very Talk Radio-ish tonight. You're we cheaper have, tonight. I'm, I don't know, dude. I would say stressed out would probably be the better term right mm. now. Oh. Work. I've got all kinds of life-altering decisions going on over here, but... We won't get into that for now. We've got two other hunks on the line. We and have it's Musky Max week. I know, dude. It's ma- it I literally I woke up this morning and Deanna's like, "Why are you in such a good mood?" I was like, "You know how whenever the Steelers play the Ravens and it's Ravens week, I'm like, it's Max week, baby." <laughs> Ryan's already in line. He's getting yeah. off tonight and getting in line. You're right. It is. It's Max week. So we have two hunks on the line tonight. We have Mr. Tom Banata. Mm. Yellow. Hello. Yellow. Yellow. And we also have Mr. Owen Seaman sporting the Big O's Bucktails hoodie. I haven't taken these. I haven't taken these hoodies off since I got them. Not at all. Haven't lucky I'm not show, judges are lucky I'm not showing up in court with a tie tied around my hoodie. <laughs> Do they have that technology like Nike has that makes you not stink? It like makes your pits smell a little bit better? Nah, you know what? But I'm so you stink. L- Knock on wood, knock on wood. I don't pit very much. And this goes back to college. Me and my buddies in college, I used to always have an argument. Like they, my one buddy, Pete insisted that his body was, it would get used to deodorant after about 30 days. And he would constantly that. have to switch it. Like a tolerance. And he, didn't, and he didn't believe me that like, I just don't pit. My hands get sweaty as shit, but my, I don't pit. So anyways, there's your little, there's your little hunks, uh, hunks update on sweat, on that's, our sweat patterns. That's, that's a fun hunks, fun fact for you right there. <laughs> I also feel like Owen kind of looks a little hipsterish tonight too. He's got the big O's with the sideways beanie. Looks a little like me. Little scruffy beard. Like how I usually look. I am burning the candle at both ends right now, boys. <laughs> it is, it's full go time here at my house and for musky max and painting and, epoxying and of course i waited until the last minute because that's how i do everything in my life so well there you go now for tonight we have another special guest on the line so we do i want want to kick this over to tomboy and you can introduce our guest yeah so we are on a heater with well i guess this one will come out before the other one but we're on a heater right now with rubber guests um they let me have another rubber guy i'm pretty happy uh he's from west virginia making some really cool rubber baits in all sizes. I mean, he was telling us before we started this, he has like 20 some different sizes and models. It's, it's pretty nuts. And I like him a lot because it seems like he tailors, I mean, maybe not all of them, but some of them are tailored to real skinny water, shallow kind of deals. Um, and I like that, especially where I'm at around here, my rivers and stuff. Um, and I really like it because I'm getting into rubber as we all know, and I'm like fascinated with this guy's shapes and the way he does things. And it's just, Ooh, yeah. he likes your shapes. Yeah, man. They're, they're nuts. <laughs> like now, like I, I actually told him in a message, I'm like, so I, I never appreciated it before I started making them. Now I realize how hard this shit is, like how hard a shape like this is to make. Well, I, I want to get to that, like how, he, yeah. how he does his shapes and, mold well, he, and everything. but we're going to yeah, get to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he is Mike Wolfel of West Virginia. 
uh, of Hellbender Lures. Uh, what's up, Mike? What's up, Honks? How you guys doing? We're doing good here, man. We're doing good. Looking forward to this conversation. Yep. We got another as we were introducing Mike. Uh, Nick joined us. Hi, Nick. Fiesler. Nick Fiesler. <clears throat> hey, Mike, Nick. just b- before we get started, I feel like I got to say this. I feel like Tom's in love with the shape of you. Yeah. Little Ed Sheeran <laughs> <laughs> reference. Yeah. Just uh, you just gotta watch. Just don't give out your address, and you'll be fine, dude. I promise. Yeah, Tom. Tom can't find you. <laughs> no. Well, that, he's already got it. Yeah, we we <laughs> got a nice little package today from Hellbender Lures. So now we have. Well, I have some in my hand tonight. Soon they will have some in their hands. But right, just like just like the stickers from from Sideshow Brian. Yeah, tattoo. those disappeared. I don't know. Uh-huh, man. They just mm-hmm. di- amazing when people send us stuff and it just disappears when it goes uh-huh. to Tom into the void. Displaced. So, Mike, tell us, tell us, like, you're from West Virginia. What part of West Virginia are you from? Uh, you guys heard of Marshall University, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Absolutely. Maybe Moss, Chad Pennington. All Randy Moss. We it's are. Huntington. That's where I'm from. White okay. chocolate. Yeah, that's where I'm from. Huntington. Nice. Yeah. White chocolate, J-Dub. That's right. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Very fishy area. Very, I mean... So how far is that from like the the well-known musky lakes like Stonewall or Stone Coal? That's probably about two and a half hours to the basically like northeast. But oh, wow. what's cool okay. about where yeah, it's it's I'm in the western part of the state. That's more central slash north central, uh, if you're talking stone coal, stonewall. Uh, but I, I'm basically it's not great fishing right where I live, but I'm an hour from Cave Run. I'm an hour from some stuff in Ohio creeks and and, and uh, rivers up there. Um, you know, an hour from the coal, the Kanawha, uh, about an hour and a half to the New, and and about two hours to the James or a little more. So, I'm kind of like a half day's driving to all the good stuff. And so it's you can pretty much do anything you want if you can imagine all the creeks in Kentucky that are that are near Cave Run between us. It's there's really unlimited amount of places to fish within an hour to to two and a half hour drive. Wow! So did you get started? Just you know, we we kind of ask all of our guests, mm-hmm. like, what Where got did you started? It start? Yeah, fishing. Not even musky fishing, but was it m- dad, granddad? I forget. Someone told us that grandma was was the one that took them fishing, and I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, actually, it was my mom has a brother, which would be my uncle who's has a huge age gap between them. So he was like, when I was eight years old, he was still in high school. And so his <laughs> thing was, he took me fishing and there's this little river near where they live, which is in Southern West Virginia that, you know, they were always trying to catch musky. And of course I'm like 10, eight, 10 years old. And I'm just smallmouth fishing with grubs and, you know, kind of just messing around, you know, you're not really, you're happy to catch a red eye, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, we went one day, this kind of how I got into muskies at that point was, uh, and I didn't catch one for 20 years. So it wasn't like I started out catching them. <laughs> didn't but, them uh, no, it was, uh, I hooked one by accident on a grub and they were throwing at the time, like a Bermic with a broke back swim bait and a glide bait that didn't glide thinking back, like that thing did not swim, whatever he was throwing. And we saw like <laughs> eight muskies that day. I hooked the only one and it was, uh, you know, on a four inch, uh, white grub. I remember, and basically that was kind of like wow because we saw them sunning we saw them and the river's super shallow so was anyway that, that was something 
Go ahead. Were, were muskies something that you saw before that, or was it kind of like all this? Okay, let me back up. Like here in Western Pennsylvania, I always knew that muskies were around, but I never caught one, and it was kind of like always a, you know, a pipe dream to catch a muskie as a kid. Like what in West Virginia were our muskies thought of like that, or is it like you are you you knew about it already? Yeah, I mean, so it, it just kind of going back, like I'm from the city in Huntington, right? And my grandparents and my uncle live like in the rural county, like near Princeton, with basically kind of close to the New River, kind of close to the mountains. And basically, no, I mean, muskies, everything was smallmouth and bluegill at that time. And I mean, I didn't know anything about muskies and, and, you know, we saw them that day and I thought it was really cool. And I even, I remember after that buying my first muskie lure, but the the true story is you can't target muskies at that point. I mean, those fish were few and far between. Nobody was catching them. I don't even know that the guys in the boat had ever caught one. My uncle and his friend, they had never <laughs> caught one. So it was kind of like they knew they were in this body of water. They're going to take a canoe. We're going to drag all day. And I'm just sitting in the middle of the boat, basically, you know, just trying to Losing catch smallmouth. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but it was cool. So that was where I first got introduced to muskies. But never at that mm-hmm. point, so I did that one trip. I don't think I ever fished for muskies again until I was in my 20s. So just fast forwarding, I mean, those kind of experiences, though, were like, oh, my God, this huge fish is, in my mind, as big as the paddle, right? At the time when it was probably Absolutely. 36, mm-hmm. something like that was a big, big one. as the canoe. Right. So anyway, I um, fished all throughout my childhood and then had an opportunity to go to Montana. So actually, I was a fly fisherman for a long time and was a guide out there, lived in western Montana, fished the Bitterroot, the Madison, you know, did all these rafting trips. uh, For trout and and stuff? All for trout. Cutthroat, West Slope Cutthroat, Brown Guy Rainbows. Right. It was all fly fishing. And so I was shooting. Those are real trout, Tom. Those are not trout. Yeah, true. True. They're 100% real trout, and that's why I got into muskies. The quick story is when I came back from Montana to finish up school, I was like, oh, I'm going to go fly fishing in West Virginia still because I was doing it when I, before I went there. And it was like, you can't. You can't go from Montana to people mm-hmm. chucking power bait and all mm-hmm. this crazy Your local stuff public do. park. Right. 100%. Even wow. if you go to the mountains, there's no holdover trout. There's no real <laughs> sustainability. None of them live. They have to be stocked. I mean, you could go catch five-inch brook trout, but it's just you got to hike two miles up a stream. It's just not worth it when you're used to catching 20, 30, 40 fish a day, and mm, it's unbelievable. Not seeing anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. You're, so that's when uh, I just basically hired a guy to Cave Run and uh, because they were at a sporting show, and it was close to my house, you know, an hour away. And that was it. From that point, I kind of switched gears after I got into it, bought – Procraft, learned how to do that, did some stuff in the PMTT, caught some fish in that tournament, and then by oh, yeah? Ranger. Oh, yeah. Huh. So it's. He just it's, slid right over that, Mike. Well, let's yeah, talk holy about cow. that one a little oh, like, wanna, that, That's wanna... like, I mean, you're, t- you're talking about going from zero to 60 real freaking fast we... there. Like, oh, I fished a couple PMTTs, caught a couple fish. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to hear that stuff. Hey, man. hey, who, I was, mean, who was the guy that you fished with on Cave Run? So I went with Crash Mullins. Uh, when I was 23 right wow and he was cool except I didn't care for the way he fished he just I don't know what it was just the he ended up being a nice guy we got to know each other but it was like the first impression of going out with him it was more about I'm Mr. So-and-so and you know it was almost like kiss the ring 
we didn't know anything. Uh, okay. I was just, you know, oh, a regular yeah. 22-year-old guy who could fish, but mm-hmm. had no clue about musky fishing. Didn't understand it, didn't. But what I did see was we saw some fish. I enjoyed the fact that it was a big lake comparatively to where I live, you know. Uh, and I had never fished for muskies ever before that, right? So other than when I was a kid. Um, and basically what happened was, just like anybody else, you go out with a guide, and then it's really you're just – you come back. So I had a boat that was actually sitting in my uncle's yard and hadn't been used that I bought for bass fishing when I was in high school. So I just cleaned that up, started going down to Cave Run, started hanging out with uh, Tony Grant. So Tony kind of took us under his wing. I hired him for a day and his buddy Scott Salchi, who's a guide for him. And they kind of were way cooler then. And I don't mean to bash crash. I'm just telling you how it is. Tony Mm -hmm. and, and Scott and his crew, like, they had the lodge down there. They still have. They just they welcomed you in. They took us out uh, and kind of made it more fun. Like it was about, you know, yeah, learning, you know, the patterns of the fish. And so mm-hmm. I basically he's like, that's huge as a beginner, PT, though, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like someone making it fun for you, like someone can beat their chest and t- show you that they're the best in the world. But it's all about having fun at that point. Like, can, can we talk know. about the, his lodge for a second? Because I. My buddy Dan and I, the only time we ever visited Cave Run, one trip, we stayed at Tony's Lodge, and it was during their spring fling. It was crazy. There was so <laughs> many. There was so many people in there. It was just like one of the best times. Like really, it, yeah. Have you got to experience that at all, Mike? Oh, hundred percent. So at the PMTT, we uh, well before. Let me back up. We did stay there, like when we went down and hired him for a couple of days. We stayed at his hotel, motel, and uh, there was always, like, people drinking beer, cooking out, uh, and they have, like, a little area where he keeps all the lures. And that's one of the things that kind of got me probably into lure making along with some other stuff. But so he has this hallway in that. He has, like, a a motel, which is the no-tell motel. I mean, it's not nice. (laughs) You've seen it, right? Was it Ryan? Have you been there? Oh, yeah. I was there. You've spent a couple nights And you've probably... Exactly. So you know that it's like, yeah, you, it's it's a little bit shaky, except the people are really cool there. You're in the middle of nowhere. You'll run out of gas. There's nowhere to eat. But anyway, when you get there, it's cool because Tony's cool. His guys are cool. They all show up. Everybody plays music. They'll sit around the pool table drinking beer. Somebody's got moonshine. It's camaraderie, right? Which is yeah. really cool when you're 25 years old and you're still really don't know anything, but you're yeah. willing to invest the money. You got your boat there, you know. So anyway, we got into it and he has this hallway behind his uh, like little, I would call it like gathering area. And the hallway is about the size of a garage and it's just full of baits from your feet to to above your head all the way down both sides. And I walked in there because he was showing me what we were going to fish with or what so-and-so caught fish on the day before. And I was like, it was like walking in the Taj Mahal. (laughs) <laughs> every lure every color stuff you've never seen uh and it was kind of like some of these other magazine or other people i've heard on y'all's podcast talking about like raleigh and helens was the only way you saw lures well this was the first time that it was like somebody had again the holy grail of bait yeah. and he just had everything so anyway it, he, it was he, cool that was what got me into it he tried to sell you any rattle baits because he got me i bought a bunch of rattle that was baits before the rattle bait thing. okay yeah that All was right. let me think back that was probably to give you an idea oh five huh doesn't okay. so he might have like, been oh six but it was somewhere in there doesn't he have like a whole collection of just lures that they've found 
that people have lost in cave run too. Oh, I guarantee it. At that point, I mean, like I said, I didn't know much, right? So when you go in there, I just saw every lure in every color that you could. I mean, you'd never seen them. Overload. Yeah. Oh, beyond overload. Um, And I remember trying to buy certain things off of them. I caught a fish that day on like uh, a real fish sucker made by Muskie Innovations. And it was like, I need to get them, right? Like, so I'm ordering them online that <laughs> night. He won't give them up. But oh, you wait until the, the night, right? Ryan usually does it in the boat. He usually oh, dude, whips soon the as phone a, out. soon as that fish hits the net, I'm on TRO, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, same. I'm still doing that these days. My Absolutely. buddy just sent me a message. Of, oh, I got a fish on this bait. And I'm like, let me see if I got that. And if I don't, I'm probably going to order it. <laughs> I'm with you. It's an addiction. I mean, again, uh, I, oh, it I, is. I finally, yeah, I finally this year or well, last year stopped buying lures because I have so many lures that are just hanging that I'll never fish and I'll never sell them. So mm-hmm. it's like, right. You know, it's kind of a collector thing slash I know they catch fish, so I couldn't ever sell it because mm-hmm. I might use it one day. Right. But really all I do is fish mine and my friend's baits now so yeah i was gonna say is it tough for you to put anybody else's bait on now uh rubber yes uh right. except a few people right that i know are friends and stuff and i know how well they work uh but i'm always trying to fish guys uh glide baits that are friends of mine and stuff because i know they work like slow flows and spellbinders by armin trout and all those catch fish and i love throwing them so i uh those guys know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Shums. I caught a bunch of fish on shums over the years. So, and you kind of um, live in the like heartland of glide bait country. Right. That's like, like glide West Virginia bait is central. Like, yeah. I got a funny one for the shums real quick. So back in like uh, maybe 2014, he was, or maybe it was 2015. Anyway, somewhere in that range, he was had a booth next to me at a Muskie's Inc. show in Kentucky, which was in Moorhead, and it was he ended the day. A, he still had a whole table full of shums and I had a table full of hellbenders. So we were both getting started kind of at the same time. Now, now both of those would have been sold out before we walked in, but <laughs> it's just funny. We even traded baits at the end because we both had some left. And uh, so anyway, it was just cool to see the change of from that time to, to now. So, yeah. Hey Mike, have you ever, uh, have you ever been to the, uh, the Tony Grant Muskie outlet down there in Moorhead? He is like that. Yes, uh, at the Peddler's Mall. <laughs> yes, at the Peddler's Mall. Yeah, dude. That you might get stabbed walking in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he told me he had. You got to like, be checked OG for hepatitis C leaving. Hundred percent. Like you could. I don't know what happens in that place. I mean, it's like. I feel like it's a swap meet. Like in. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> there's like nobody working. It's like the honor system. When you walk out, they're like, he might be stealing. But like, <laughs> I hope he I mean, Tony's not there. There's no We're one. We're give him the benefit of the doubt, though. Very progressive. Yeah, of course. That, you know, that's like Whole Foods now, you know? Yeah. On your own. like, they might pay. It's okay if they don't. Um, <laughs> that's but great. I'll tell you, we used to love the OG Medusas, and he had some, and you can't get those. And so I went there and bought a few just when I was down that way. Cause like I said, it's an hour from me. So I don't like the fish cave run because their numbers are down as far as what they stock. I mean, it's all stocked. None of it's natural reproduction. And so it just can become the dead sea sometimes. I mean, there's fish down there. Don't get me wrong, but you just have to hit the right day and get lucky. They have so much space. That's why I like fishing the rivers. They can't go anywhere. I mean, you're on top of the fish all day in the river. Yeah. Yeah. 
so you said you said that you you loved like the original Medusa, right? Like, yep. Is that uh, have you tried to like what is it about the original Medusa that you loved, and have you as a plastic or you know pouring rubber tried to imitate whatever it is about that bait that you liked? Uh, that's the Jason Summers, the original. Before that, other Albers and those dudes. Jason Summers was the guy that owned the company, and uh, I used to get bass directly from him. And before, anyway, I, we liked the Medusa because it had more hang time. And this was before the regular Medusa. I would fish the. Um, there wasn't even a mid; it was just a regular. Well, I don't even know what they called it then. It was a small size Medusa. Uh, it was lightweight, and we would fish the rivers, the New, the James, Kanawha. And basically we're fishing super shallow and they had pretty much a hang time that if you throw them out, you can fish them in a foot of water if you pump them up uh, and they won't sink like a rock, like a bulldog and all this other stuff would. So I would say yes, but that's kind of where it went into making something different that had more hang time because uh, the Medusas couldn't do it. We wanted something bigger, right? Something that kind so, of imitated what you liked about the Medusa, which was the hang time. Oh, yeah. And in the rivers where we were fishing, like the James, I was thinking about this when I was listening to you guys talk to uh, uh, this dude Spray Bomb and Painter. Uh, I mean, we were fishing the yep. James before there were even jet boats on there. And it was unbelievable the amount of fish that didn't matter really what you fished with because they would eat it and there was no traffic. It's totally different now, but um, it still made you want to those fish will literally sit in six inches of water. Mm -hmm. So you want something that when it hits the water has a big profile. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll hang. And that's why if you look at my, yeah, you're, you're just wanting to ultimately pop this. this lure and let it sit still. That's what you really want out of my baits. And so that's why I've made them. Mike, we were kind of talking before the call again, like I was saying the big flat belly on your baits. And I don't know if we're diving ahead here, but I mean, you were saying you were trying to accomplish that hang time. And that's the thing I noticed right away when I saw these baits was the big flat belly. And that's what I was thinking. I'm like, these things, that's what I texted our group. Well, uh, okay. So before we, uh, you make a whole bunch of different styles of baits or sizes of baits, are they all flat belly like what Tom is describing. I know exactly what Tom's talking about. Mm -hmm. Our listeners can't see what we are kind of envisioning here, but it's kind of like a catfish. I don't want to say cat. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, a flat catfish a flat bottom. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, we can't, I can't really describe it, but well, we're, we're are all of your baits like that? Like with a flat bottom? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've got some other stuff that imitates uh, crayfish and uh, big, mm -hmm. you know, other kind of creatures. Uh, but generally, yes, it starts with um, like the hellbender and then it kind of worked its way uh, to different sizes. So I've kept them all the way along the way, but just different sizes. Uh, and so, I mean, in theory, yes, it's a flat bottom, but really it's also the tail. So different guys have different tails. I mean, you a lot of stuff has a flat belly, but mine has two front fins that are flat, as well yeah. as, you know, you've got the entire bottom of the bait that's flat, but you also have two front fins. And if you wait it a certain way, that's what's kind of going to make it fall flat instead of nosedive, like some stuff does. Okay, and so, so I've, I'm, I'm looking at a couple of your Instagram posts and a couple of you have several models that have the fin, like the front fins. But then I'm looking at one right Razorback Junior uh, that doesn't have the front fins Are right, the front so, fins. You know, tell me what what's up with that? Well, basically what I did was under the same uh, 
you know, I would say chassis of if you look at, let's just talk about the Razorback then, because it is the one that doesn't have the fins. But I have another couple of baits called the Hammerhead and the Hammerhead Junior. Uh, and those also have a flat belly. Uh, they have the wings. But if you look at a Razorback, it is the same exact style except without the wings. And the reason I made it that way was I want that to be a slash bait. I want to be able to rip it. It'll still pause because it's still flat, but it, it's ultimately working like the opposite of a dive and rise. I mean, it, the bait's going to do all the work on its own because of the weight inside of the bait. But that tail that if you look at that particular bait is separate than mine because the other baits are basically a pull pause. Okay. All the other baits are meant to, you pull it two or three feet with the sweep of the rod and then you reel your line in as you point your rod back over kind of as a motion back towards the rod and that's your hang time. So you can basically sweep, reel, sweep, reel. And on the pause every time is when they pretty much get eaten. But I okay. wanted something different to fish uh, a different style of lure, right? Cause everything I was making is basically like that. Other than, like I said, the mobster, which is a big 10 inch crawdad and whatever, but yes. So, I'm trying to do something a little bit different with the Razorback, and that is uh, a slash bait to rip it back, and it still has the paws because of the flat bottom, but the tail's different, if that makes any sense. No, yeah, it absolutely makes sense, and that's kind of what I was – I was wondering if those fins – or do they, you know, I assume those front fins kind of, like – stabilize it in a lot of ways and if they don't have it it's a more of erratic an erratic kind of action i would think it is except when really the main thing is you're you're when you're designing a bait like that it's a lot of trial and error so as you can imagine i've made multiple molds multiple weight system multiple harnesses multiple different types of wire and placement of the weight and the amount of weight so basically yes and no so it's you know what you're trying to it's not it will still come straight at you it won't roll over it won't burn out it won't anything and, and basically it's just so that when you get this thing in the mail you sharpen the hooks it's ready to roll and you can fish it shallow you can count it down to fish it deep you can add like a little sinker to the front hook which we advise people to do you know like a bell sinker and depending on where you're fishing so i mean it's kind of just a separate way to get my baits out there that do something different than the rest of them do so hey, just hey real yeah, quick go ahead Ryan. you know just for for our listeners sake because i mean again we got a lot of guys that are kind of new to the sport too like just want to point this out it's it's hellbenderlures.com right the website so like all of your models and stuff are up there mike and i was i was just kind of poking around when you're talking about the razorback like that's probably the bet i guess the best way for me to sit here is to look at your website you know Owen, you mentioned instagram too but that's uh that's pretty cool how you have everything. It's super simple, super easy to follow. So I just want to make yeah. sure. Yeah, and, and, and I'm looking at the different shapes that you offer, and I'm also thinking about Tom, who is in his entree into the world of rubber, and I'm like, okay, what type of softness, hardness are all these baits? Like, you know, do they sink? Do they flow? You know, I mean, there's like so many different kind of varieties, and the thing that fascinates me is how do you do your internal rigging? And that might be a question to kind of get to a little bit down the road, but the internal rigging of all of these different things and how you get those into the molds, like you, I mean, you have to factor the internal rigging into any mold that you make, right? Oh yeah. I mean, the mold is just the, the first step. It's everything else is about 
your weight and your harness. I mean, it's, it's everything really, because uh, just like, for instance, I'm working on something to change a little bit. And I thought, well, just this one minor change and it ruined the way it swam. And it's like, wow, well, let me go back to the drawing board. And it's a, like I said, it takes a while or you can get the home run just based off. For instance, I have a, a lure called the Boogeyman, which is, I think, the best lure for overall fishing because it's 12 inches long. It weighs like three ounces. You can sling it a mile. And if you just reel it in, it just swims straight and has a really nice mm-hmm. kick of the tail. Uh, but it's basically something that's foolproof. Like if a lot of the new fishermen will message me and I'm like, get a Boogeyman, man. They're 28 bucks. Uh, they swim like a champ. They get eaten. I mean, we've caught like 40 some fish in the last six months on them. Not just me, of course, but a bunch of the dudes I fish with. They just get eaten. The fish, it's a perfect bite size. So anyway, that's a home run that I added weight to that. I used to, when I first pr- produced them, you would use the push weight, Nico weights, which I do sell, uh, and put them towards the front. And that works. I mean, it really will. But the thought behind it was let the user weight it himself or herself. Because there are guys that can buy this bait and fish it in six feet of water. But there are people that want to fish it in a foot of water. So why should I just produce it at a certain mm-hmm. weight right. when I could have them add a bell sinker or give them the push weights. And it does work. But again, there's a lot of people that are beginning that need kind of just, Hey, I'm buying your bait. I don't want to tune it. I don't want to play with it. They don't want to tinker. There are people that don't want to tinker. They don't want to have to figure things out. They just want to put it in the water and make it, make it work. And and there's, there's something to that for sure. But I also really like the idea of having something that's completely customizable, like being able to add all of those, uh, you know, screw in weights that, that the places offer where, you know, you can adjust it for, you know, really however you want to make that bait because everything, like you said, the slightest thing can change the bait's action completely. Mm-hmm. And we're so limited sometimes, like Mike said earlier. So he was talking about the Medusa and how fishing them shallow is kind of, be a chore sometimes and like that's when i started musky fishing that's exactly the kind of water i was fishing i mean i'm watching these videos of guys fishing you know their monster freaking medusas out in st Clair and 20 feet of water i didn't have that luxury i was fishing a foot two feet of water and right off the bat i'm limited i'm like what the hell what what do i use i can throw a top water and i can throw a bucktail like what what else am i gonna throw in a foot of water and as i'm progressing i'm kind of learning like these different shapes and stuff and like mike saying the fins like these little tricks can really help you fish these big heavy baits in shallow water and i thought that's really cool owen just wants a rubber bait that he doesn't won't rip the tail off of when he tries to to get it limber right when i listen when i watch a doug wagner uh you know how to improve your your medusa my brand new medusa and i'm like oh i'm gonna stretch it out pop (laughs) There goes oh, one yeah. of three. Just yeah. melt it back yeah. on, dude. That's I all. did. Oh, yeah. I did. Oh, I believe me. I was I was sitting there with a hot butter knife, and you know, I made it work. It ain't pretty, but it works. A hot butter knife. Oh yeah. What were you gonna say, Mike? I was just saying, yeah, man. I mean, if you look at all the people, all the people you guys have had on here, uh, all the people you see on YouTube, a lot of their lures are customized by them. Like they buy the mm-hmm. lure from a company, but then they add weights. They change this, they change that because it can be built more by them to what they specifically want, uh, just based on some modifications. And so um, I try to do that and I try to listen to people. People will tell me like, uh, you know, I can catch a lot of fish on your bait, just slow cranking it. And that's cool to me because that's not the way I fish it. You know, I fish it with a full pause because 
the reason I'm trying to do that, I mean, you guys have seen the way bait fish are. I'm just trying to imitate not something just swimming away, something that's dying because mm -hmm. it'll trigger those neutral fish that aren't going to eat. Like, you know how it is. You see the muskies. Most times you go, you don't even see them or you don't catch them. You can actually probably, if you find a halfway decently neutral fish, you can make them eat sometimes with something that just looks like it's so easy to eat because it's struggling mm -hmm. to swim. The weak zebra of the pack kind of thing. That's a, a good uh, time to bring up. I don't know if you, any of you guys saw Ben Stone's recently, recent, uh, he had on Instagram and on YouTube, but it was a, a video underwater for a, of a sucker and musky basically just following the sucker around and the thing that you know that caught me about it was a really cool video overall but what really caught me about it is like it just followed the sucker around and followed it around and as soon as that sucker began to like try to get away that tr that's what triggered the musky to kind of want to follow you know to, to really get more aggressive as the as the sucker was just sitting there it wasn't really doing much, but as soon as that sucker tried to escape, mm -hmm. boy, that muskie was was interested. So uh, the pull pause obviously makes makes a lot of sense in that sense. Yeah, and also I like the fact that you stay in the strike zone. So if you know that there's a fish or where a fish should be, right, you want that bait to not just be pulled in. You want to leave it in there maybe for a mm -hmm. second or two longer. It just increases your chances, of course. You know, doesn't mean you're going to catch them. It just increases your chances to be mm -hmm. in that strike zone. Yep, for sure. So Beer how many? Baits, how, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, Nick, go ahead. You probably none of them overlap with like the same internal harness, or is that? Uh, well, I mean, I use similar components, but they all have Each to ones. be. I mean, you mean different models or right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of my smaller stuff, I have to use like a really small wire. And actually, some stuff, I bend the wire before I ever put. So what I'll do is, for instance, there's a bait I have called the Razorback Junior. And it's like seven inches long. And it's unweighted out of the mold. And what I'll do is I'll take some wire and bend a harness uh, just separately. And then once everything's finished, then I'll insert it. And it'll basically work as you guys familiar with Boggs custom lures. Yeah. He, he's mm -hmm. out of Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, he oh, comes yeah. to shows. Cool guy. Jeff does some painting for me. He's like, he comes to musky backs. Yeah. 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 Great guy. And he has a thing called the sniper rig. And it's like, he makes these six inch swim baits similar to what I make. And he just inserts the wire into the swim bait. So you can attach your leader and then you can attach a treble hook on both ends. And then it can't move either way. Well, I do something similar. I add a catch guard to it, so it basically can't be ripped out either way. And so that's something that my mold will not sustain a internal harness before you pour. So I'll pour, take it out, then insert the harness. So okay. when I, I do it like 50 different ways, guys, like I have so many mm -hmm. different lures that I do it all because they're all, uh, yeah. they require that, right? Like it's right. all different. I can imagine. Yeah, it's cool though. Yeah, it's tinkering. Like what you you know, you guys know how it's tinkering. Right. It's more of a, yeah. a hobby. Mm -hmm. I heard Painter talk about that. It's a I've, hobby, and I like one thing he said too. He's a people pleaser, and I am too. Like I want people. I have a hundred percent money back guarantee. If you don't like your bait, I'll replace it. If there's a legitimate reason, which the yep. cool thing about musky guys, they don't just send it back because they don't like it. It's like, dude, if it doesn't swim, I'm like, first of all, let's talk. I'll try to FaceTime, say, show me mm -hmm. what it's doing wrong. Troubleshoot it. Then, yeah, bend it this way. Like, for instance, like in one of my hellbenders or something is turning right. I'll say, grab it by the head, go out fish, at least like a pond or something. Grab it by the head and just give it two quick 
turns the opposite way, just slightly, because that wire is bendable inside of the bait. And anyway, they'll pitch it out, and a lot of times it'll work. And that's what the fish like is something that is kind of erratic. Uh, you know, no, it's not going to just always swim completely straight. Mm -hmm. You can tune it to do that, but that's not how it's intended. Mm -hmm. A little unpredictable. Yeah, a lot of yeah, times I mean, it's those lures that are tough to tune that are the best best catchers 100 percent. and i tune a lot of them myself like any of the other stuff like all my smaller stuff are all tuned uh but the big hellbender uh you know it's like 20 inches long weighs 10 ounces it's meant to have like a pull pause and it will pull straight but i don't hate it at all that if it rips like you rip it and let it pause and it dives and its head turns and falls the opposite way you know how many fish we catch on that it's so that's why i tell people just give it a chance go out and fish it mm -hmm. And lots of people have caught fish on them. That's really neat. There was one, I think one of the ones you sent me, maybe I'm wrong here. Is it the, uh, the Hellraiser? It's like the smaller guy. looks like it's about like six, seven inch body with then the tail. That's the 12 inch boogeyman. That's the one I was telling you about. It's got a half, uh, half okay. ounce weight in the head. Okay. Yeah. That's the this, one. If you throw it out, you can burn that like a bucktail. It'll never turn. It'll go completely straight. Man, this, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone jumped out at me, but this one really jumped out at me because it reminds me like it's, it's a smaller profile. Like it's like, it, it's maybe as big lengthwise as a bulldog, but it's like a lot smaller of a profile, but not like regular a regular size bulldog, 12 inches. It's basically the same as far yeah. as length, but there you have. That weighs two ounces. A regular size bulldog weighs like seven ounces. Yeah. I mean, it, there's no weight in that hardly. The oh, only reason man. I put weight in that is just to keep it upright, just enough to where it's going to sink mm -hmm. down, enough to where if you just want to reel it, cool. If you want to rip it and pause it, it does the same thing. So, well, I, I pulled this out of the box and I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, this is like, we talked to all these beginner guys. They're like, I got my bass set up, like my frog stick, whatever. Like, this is it right here. Like, if you can't, if you don't have the rod to throw a bulldog, this guy right here, it's like, it's bigger than a spring dog. It's not like those wimpy little spring dogs. It's substantial, but it's throwable. Yeah. That's my favorite bait to fish because it doesn't wear you out. You know, like I yeah. said, you can rip it, pause it, swim it, pull it. I mean, they love them too. I mean, it's just, it's the perfect bite size, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, and a lot of guys make some smaller stuff like that too. That's just something I've been working on and I've had that out for uh, a little over two years now. And, um, I've just added the internal weight the last year and it's actually done way better just because again, if you throw it out and just maybe count it down for one second, you're down at like four feet, bringing that thing in. And so, uh, or three feet. So it, it really makes it to where, you know, you can cover water, but it doesn't wear you out cause it's not heavy. Yeah. That's a cool one. That looks like it, a Creek special to me. That's what I was thinking, Ryan Reed, that might be yours right there. I might have to give that one to you that to go. Looks like Puts around. Maybe you should try it in your creek. We both can, but I think that one might be going to your home. I might. Have I got a few extras. I know a guy. Just let me know where to send them. <laughs> <laughs> you can send them my way, Mike. I'll get them to Ryan. Don't yeah, worry. I'm sure he will. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one I keep looking at on uh, when I'm looking at the Instagram is the Creek Chub. Like it, it that's the paddle tail. Mm -hmm. How big is that? I mean, I can't really Six tell. Inches. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's that's tiny. something that that's pretty reasonable tiny. for someone that's uh, a beginner that doesn't Real, have yeah. like a, a major musky setup, you know, to fish with. You could throw something like that pretty easily, I would think. Oh, yeah. And it's it's the same thing. It's uh, it's a swim bait. So it's not really weighted. It's just weighted enough to where it doesn't blow out and it doesn't, you know, just skim across the surface. 
And that's meant for your springtime. Like that's why a lot of the stuff, if I don't know if you guys noticed, but I did like a lure drop this weekend Mm -hmm. and I put out some of those, the Creek chubs, some Mm -hmm. baby razors, which are like my really small um, razorback or excuse me, razorback junior. And those are all basically six to eight inches long because coming up here in the next month or so, these fish are going to be doing pre-spawn. They're not really hungry. They'll eat off, uh, you know, basically if you bother them, you know, they're not, they're not spawning yet. So they're not going to hurt them, but uh, they're not looking for a huge meal right before the spawn. And then after they come off, they're not looking for a huge meal generally. Uh, and so if you're fishing creeks and rivers, it's the perfect bait for right now. Again, it doesn't wear you out. You can burn them. You can move them fast. You can fish them in current. And so it's kind of one of those things. Downsizing is a good thing to do this time of year. And that's kind of why I'm trying to get them out right now. It's just to let people play around with them until, you know, first part of May. And Mike, do you jig any of that stuff at all? So I'm working on, I sent some of my Razorbacks down to Sam Scott at Blue Ridge and on the James, and he's caught a couple of fish jigging the Razorback. Um, so it's, I'm looking at maybe making a jig harness, which would be much heavier. Uh, it's going to be hard to duplicate like the Bondi, which is amazing. Uh, you can jig it. It's just, it only has an ounce of weight in the head itself. I have made a few that have two ounces and it will jig. Uh, but I, I personally have not fished it jigging because I've basically just been fishing rivers and creeks when I do get out. Um, that's the one bad thing about bait making is the days I have off, you know, because I do all kinds of stuff. I'm in the garage and in the shop making baits for now instead mm-hmm. of fishing. Well, something that jumped out at me was the King Claw jig that you I say. Yeah, that, I mean, is that musky oriented or is that like dude, a bass, it's huge like bass guy or? So uh, I'm not a big bass guy, uh, but it is. So what happened was I made this thing called the uh, musky mobster. There were only, there's probably only 50 of them in circulation just because I tried several different harnesses and I got them to swim fine, but it just didn't do how I wanted it to do. Right. Like it wasn't, it was meant to really work almost like a toad. It's got two Mm -hmm. big claws. It's like 14 inches long, but I just hadn't mastered the harness, and so I shelved it for now. So anyway, I really liked the concept, so I made an 8-inch crawdad. And so it's basically soft plastic, all 8 in, eight inches long, with two big claws, and it's 4 inches wide, um, you know, at the the claws. So uh, it bass will eat it. Um, I've caught largemouth on it, just actually fishing for musky, um, caught walleye on it. Uh, but it's, it's a musky lure. And basically – you know, the guys like Chubby Chaster and those guys are all fishing bottom. I, mean, I think that's the next step in musky fishing is dragging stuff along the bottom that's mm-hmm. weedless. And that's especially in those creeks course. and the rivers and stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, and I'm shipping those to Canada. I've got all kinds of people trying them out. Basically, it's one of those things that's been um, I've tried several different rigs for it. I've tried big swim bait hooks with, uh, you know, the blade on it. I've tried just two single jig hooks. And now I basically tied my own um, uh, skirts onto half ounce jig heads. And then I've added extra weights further down the bait. And what that does is basically it's an evolution that at the beginning it does work, but it's not one of the ones that you can put it on the rod and throw it out and it's perfect. But now the King Claw jig, King Claw jig is because it's weighted properly. It's something that the hooks are always going to stay upright. And so it's not going to get snagged. I mean, unless you roll it over a, you know, a tree, um so it's honestly it's it's really cool i've just got the way that i want them out for 2023 i did sell some in 2022 but it's a whole different style bait that really nobody's making and uh 
like I said, it, it's it's something that you've got to put some time into. But if there are fish that are negative that are laying on the bottom, they'll eat it. I guarantee mm-hmm. it, and they do. That's and cool. I like the idea of it being weedless and stuff because I mean, a lot of these creeks and rivers, you're fishing some gnarly kind of laydowns, and it's it's not pretty like some of the lakes can be. I remember Greg Thomas made this comment and then I learned it the hard way. I was like talking about, he was talking about jigs and like weedless jigs. He's like, now keep in mind guys, this was at like one of the uh, road roll sessions. He's like, keep in mind guys, weedless doesn't mean woodless. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and then like the next time I go out, I just like drill the hook into the side of a log and I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) definitely not weedless. Oh yeah, for sure. The hooks stay upright, but they will definitely get snagged mm-hmm. for sure. The it definitely thing, helps though. though. Yeah. The great fish thing though, is always something I always watch. Uh, Camden Glade, who we had on is a biologist out in, I think that's Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Minnesota. Yeah. Bemidji. But, but it's surprising mm-hmm. how many fish have, you know, crayfish parts in them. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. must be, you know, picking them up pretty regular. See, the cool thing about yeah. that too yeah. is like I know it's a musky it's a musky bait, but it's like, dude, sometimes like I feel you know, just like sometimes oh. you just want to throw like a multi-species bait and just like like have a chance. Like and I'm not like a lot of the baits that we fish do catch like a lot of different fish, but I don't know. That's just like a, a cool profile bait that I feel pretty confident you could catch a muskie or you could catch just about anything. Well, he yeah. brought up Blue Ridge and Sam Scott. I mean, Sam tears them up on the little bass jigs. So mm-hmm. that's what I, feel like, I feel like you'd crush smallmouth on Lake Erie with that. Right. Like, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm working with a guy in Michigan that does a lot of bass fishing and he's, he's got a bunch of them. So we'll see. I'm excited to see what happens this year with them. Uh, just because again, it, it is it's difficult to bounce the bottom in a lot of the places that we musky fish, right? There's giant boulders, there's trees. I mean, it's just, but places like those soft bottom lakes, um, that's going to be interesting to see, you know, I don't fish there, so I don't know, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like in its early stage, but to be honest with you, um, it's fun just to throw something that's a total different water column thing. Like I was fishing the other day and I knew I didn't catch anything, but I knew, we're not moving fish on any glide baits, big rub or anything, but I'm bouncing this along the bottom and all it's going to take is to get in front of the right fish. And he's definitely going to eat it because again, it, they can't resist if it's right in front of them. And so yeah. it's something different. Like I said, uh, it's nice to have a different, as you guys know, we have all your different stuff, like a certain bait, if you're talking trolling or whatever, that'll work. But if you switch colors or switch, tune it up a little bit, you're going to catch more fish for some reason having the king claw just as something different that they don't see, especially right. pressured waters. Different arrow in the quiver. Now, the, yeah. the cool thing is, like, Mike, you were showing us that bait, but there's a picture out on your website, too, where you're holding two of those things in your hands, and that gives you, like, a really good perspective on what the profile is of that. And that's that looks even juicier than I thought. <laughs> that looks super Oh, good. you like his shapes, too, Ryan? I do like the shape of Ed you. Sheeran. Mm-hmm. So speaking so, of shapes, Mike, well, yeah, the, I was going to say, so it's just the other of shapes. one, the other one that I was interested in, and we kind of talked about it a little before the call too, the Razorback. And that one we were kind of talking, it seems like more of a way to work the column a little bit opposed mm-hmm. to staying in one spot. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. That that's, yeah. and that the flat, if you, you talked about earlier about having the flat bottom of, mm-hmm. of the bait. If you look at that bait, you have and flip it upside down, the whole thing's flat all the way down to the tail. Oh, yeah. 
And if you look at the ridges in the back of the tail, that's something that when I designed it uh, is just to make it fold over so that when you rip it and pull it, it kind of just does like a yeah. almost like a mermaid tail would it do, kicks, right? Yeah. Like it just, yeah. it kicks and it doesn't blow either way. So it's just, like but I it's said, a good for way. people not seeing it. It's kicking up and down, not side to up side. Up and down, like not side to power, side. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It doesn't swim straight. It's meant to just be ripped and bounced. It hops mm-hmm. almost kind of right. like, yeah. So it, it, like I said, I do have a TikTok page. If, if people want to see the videos, like I'm not big into TikTok. I don't have that many followers. Not the only reason <laughs> I use it. It's just an easy way for me to make a video. That's like, 20 seconds long that I can get different actions and get it out there mm-hmm. quick. So if anybody wants to go look, just look at Hellbender Lures at tick, on TikTok and you'll see like the way that that swims, the king claw, the way I did some underwater video. It's not great. The river was a little dirty, but it shows what it does. So the king claw, when you pull it through the water, those claws will stick up. So that's the yeah. cool thing is that it's almost like, you know how a crawdad, when you see it in the creek, right. you'll yeah. have his claws. As those defensive. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's yeah. exactly what the king claw does. So you rip it and it's got those weights to make it bounce, but the claws, because they're lighter weight, they'll, they'll float. Now I don't use floating plastic before anybody asks, but they just, <laughs> they're so light, you know, and the way that they're spread out, they just sit, stick up mm-hmm. uh, like a, like a, you know, a crawdad does. And, and here's the reason I designed it. And then we'll move on. You guys remember catching crawdads in the Creek when you were kids. I mean, I'm oh, sure yeah. You did that, yeah. Right? Absolutely. So there was always the big daddy, right? There was always the big black. <laughs> There's a bunch of little ones. And we used mm-hmm. to call that the king claw, right? We catch him. The, yeah. So that's why I got the name is he's the king claw, right? Nice. This is the one. And, and and you catch him sometimes in minnow traps and stuff like that. He's the big daddy. And he's seven, eight inches long. And I've always known muskies eat that stuff. You're right. Somebody mentioned earlier about them checking what's in pe- and the fish's stomach, there's crawdads in there, man. I mean, mostly mm-hmm. they eat suckers, but depending on where you are, they love crawdads. So mm-hmm. like I said, something to try, something different. We haven't mastered it, but these things right now swim incredible. So you throw it out, reel it in, it works. Well, speaking okay, of so, the name, oh, sorry, on. No, no, uh, I was, was going to say, you said, you know, they swim incredible. They obviously don't swim incredible. Like when you first come up with an idea, how do you, prototype these things do you mold do you create clay molds or because i mean because your 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 shapes are all very original like these are not things that you can just go on some cnc uh, machine makers website and order a cnc mold and make this this is all very specific or original stuff are you doing it by hand um, so the molds, of course, uh, all started from a kind of a rough master, right? And then uh, it's kind of like KFC has the 37 spices that they don't tell you all of it. <laughs> so I have quite a few spices that other people use the same stuff I'm doing. But it's basically, here's what I would say. It's forever. I can't even count the hours of trial and error. Um, because, again, the mold itself is... Uh, one part of it but the rest of it is how do you fish it because just like that king claw jig it sat in my shop for like six months because i was like i'm not going to use it i can't get it to swim the way i want Mm -hmm. people aren't going to buy it they're going to say my lures suck and all the stuff like i said i try to be a people pleaser i've probably given away more free baits than i've sold just because i want people to try my stuff and and my biggest thing i tell people (laughs) if you catch a fish on that that's all i care about i just want you to catch a fish on it like it's honestly it's not about the money 
I have other jobs for money. This is for fun. It's a hobby, uh, you know. So, but yes, it's it, to answer your question about the molds. It's like it's all started from an original idea. It's changed into how to develop the mold, and really, it's all about developing the harness or the way to uh, present the lure that makes it user friendly and catches fish. So, I hope that answers the question. But it's like there are a lot of things that other guys do that I do. Basically, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's the design, and really, I would say the R&D, you know, the research and development of things that have just happened over the years. I mean, I've been making baits since like 2015. So we're, you know, 2014. So, I mean, it's it's seven, eight years of like seriously doing yeah. it. And uh, so there's a lot of tricks you pull up. I will say this. No one really tells you anything. Like you kind of have to learn all this on your own. Mm -hmm. because oh, yeah. Everybody has their secret spaces. Are, yeah. And not a lot of people are making rubber. Everybody makes glide baits. Everybody yeah. makes crank baits. Everybody makes, and again, there are people that make them incredibly, and then there are people that don't. But not really people make, unless you're the big companies that really don't want any part of the little guys, nobody's really, really making rubber. Now there's guys in Virginia making them. Uh, there's guys around making rubber, but I don't know. It's kind of like you don't ask them. They don't ask you. It's kind of like when someone posts a picture of a fish. It's not polite to say where did you catch it what did you catch it on mm -hmm. what color you know it's just you say cool fish right or good work you don't water shed <laughs> yeah you guys know that i mean that's been the th same thing so i've always felt like i don't ask other guys how they do their stuff because i feel like it's rude not that i don't want to tell you it's just it's basically me just trying yeah. different stuff for you got to protect years. what you've spent so long like figuring out on your own you know what i mean like i, I get that completely one, and it takes a lot of money, as you know. Yeah, that's, well, oh, that's a, it's a so lot that's of a, money. That's a good point. There, we had. I, I told you we had Mike DeBulsi on last night, and I asked him the same question: How many gallons of plastic do you think you went through before you got it right? Before you were like, "Okay, I, I like this, and I'm going to sell it." I mean, I know you can't say 102 gallons, but like roughly, like 50 gallons, 100 gallons, 200 gallons. Like, I've been buying five gallon buckets of plastic for eight years. So. And I've never held on to one very long. So yeah. I don't know how many that is, uh, but quite a bit. I mean, I, I don't know the number. Uh, you know, I was using Alumilite a long time ago, and their plastic's not good anymore. I've, I've mm. done, I bought every company. I know that'll come up. I've bought every company uh, from Dead, Dead On to Calhoun to Alumilite. There's some other smaller companies. They all work. And I use the saltwater blend because. First of all, you don't want to be like, I'm not sure who that was, pulling the Medusa and it rips. Oh, off. yeah. That was me. <laughs> yeah. I've done it yeah. a million times, dude. Trust me. I've, I've like, oh, messing with a bait, pull it apart. So I yeah. know that's not the blend I want to use, right? So uh, 312 is the number of what I always use, depending on where it is. Uh, there's some other saltwater plastics that are available in other countries, too. And again, getting that stuff shipped in, it's just, like I said, it's all trial and error, you know, like, mm -hmm. You got to buy it and try it because there's no one to call. That's the cool thing. It makes it hard, but there's no one to call to ask how to do it. There's a few guys, yeah. but they're asking me. I've been doing it longer than them, if that makes <laughs> sense. Now, I can't call. I wouldn't call those dudes at the bigger companies like Water Wolf and Musk Innovations. And those dudes don't want to tell me anything. And I honestly want to figure it out on my own. No offense right. to them. They yeah. do a great job. I just, I'm just building them in my garage, like pouring them when I can. It's I've got three other jobs, so... Right. Um, now, yeah, this, cool. I saw you have the original Hellbender and then the Hellbender Gen 3. 
Is that just because the original one has like a cult following or is there kind of a different action between the two that, that you keep making the original? So the original, um, I have an old school silicone mold that I made like, uh, you know, eight years ago and I can't let it go. Right. I'm just, I love it. Uh, it is a cult following. It's a lure that always produces fish. There are people that want that over anything new that I make. When I sell those that sometimes depending on the colors I put up, they'll sell out before anything else. Uh, and it is kind of the cult thing, but also like I fished last week, that's all I threw was an OG because I know how well they do. And if there's, if you're in a certain, you know, type of water where, you know, they're eating big suckers, then you're going to throw that. So anyway, the gen two is a lure that I discontinued uh, temporarily, because if you look at the, the tail on the gen two, which you, you don't probably, you can't see it on the website because it's not on there. It's a much thinner profile tail. And it's very similar to the boogeyman tail. If he could show you the boogeyman tail, yeah. it's long and slender. It's not, doesn't have a big hoop in it, right? It doesn't kind of Versus, make a big yeah. wide, yeah. Way, you know, not a big yeah. flare. Yeah. So uh, now that's, this is yeah. the big boy with the big flare. That's got the big flare. Right. That's the, the big flare. Right. Yeah. So that's a Gen 3 style tail. Now, that's not a Gen 3 hellbender. Let me see the top of that bait. Yeah. What is that, here. Tom? This is the big boy. It's got the logo on the side. And the... That is a Hellraiser. Yeah. Okay. So that, I'll just, I'll tell you real quickly. So the, the, the original hellbender. Uh, you know, is the 18 inches long, weighs like 10 ounces. So then I thought, you know, I got to have something smaller. So I siliconed a mold, you know, made a master, siliconed a mold of a smaller version. It's like 17 inches, has a little bit less weight, a little bit smaller profile. And I still make that as well. Uh, but the one he just showed you is the Gen 3. It is a upgraded, better looking version of the original OG Hellraiser. And uh, so it's kind of like, you move on to a new bait, but you still make the old one because the old one might actually be better. Like it just, it's not as pretty. It, it's rough. It's ugly, but they eat it. You know what I mean? Like that's sometimes improvement isn't an improvement. Right. Yeah. I mean, I got a buddy of mine that I fish with a lot and he's like, I just want the OGs and I yeah. get it. Cause you know, and that's cool. I mean, but I can only make like one OG at a time. The other stuff I can make more of them. So, um, you know, cause I only have one mold. So like I said, these other guys have like, I don't know how many molds and I do have a lot of molds, but I got one OG fender and one OG razor. That's it. Wow. That's why slows things down out. a little, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Well, so but we're, we're going to back it up as Owen says, where did the name come from? I want to know that hellbender. Was that? I mean, I'm, so, I'm going to say probably from the hellbender salamander. Yeah. But, but, but <laughs> I'm just oh, yeah. curious how that came to be though. Uh, I don't know this guy. There was a guy named Jesse Carper. He passed away a few years back. There's a tournament uh, named after him in Virginia. Um, he's he and I used to fish together years ago when I first started making baits, and uh, we just kind of came up with it one day on the boat, uh, and it was modeled after because we thought it looked like a hellbender. So yeah. I can't. Uh, he may have named it. We we kind of did it together. It's kind of one of those things that idea jumped. So I would say he he probably helped come up with that name. Yeah, um, he designed the first logo, which was really cool. Uh, since moved on to a different logo, but um, yeah, the name was basically just a. Um, it kind of looked like it. If you look it at does, the bait yeah. itself, it kind of looks like a big salamander, and it, yeah. you know, so that that's where it came from. It kind of was the only thing that kind of looked like it, uh, you know, close enough. So 
That's where the original name came from. Okay. It definitely you guys makes have sense. Hellbenders down there? Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh they're in all of our watersheds around here uh yeah. in the southeast. I don't know if they have Pennsylvania, but like West Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, Virginia, yeah. they're here. Yeah. We have them up here upper reaches of the Allegheny drainage. It's the state um Amphibian? Amphibian, if I'm not mistaken. Oh shit. Sure. Yeah. That's like the east, eastern fact. hellbender or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to watch a biologist professor get her ear bitten by one. Ooh. Jeez. That just sounds like a typical Saturday night up your way. They have have more teeth than you'd think. (laughs) What do they do up there, McCain, PA? (laughs) Well, we're talking about disasters here. Let's I want to talk some disasters, Mike. I want to hear some of the horror stories, like some of the spills and the burns and the what what has gone wrong in these last eight years. All right, I let's relive your trauma. <laughs> let's, make, let's let's scratch some wounds open. Now. Make Tom <laughs> make Tom feel better about all. Yeah. <laughs> so I had some college buddies of mine. I used to have a camp on the New River, a camper, and I'd have my jet boat, and I had a raft. And this was probably I'd say five six years ago, and they were coming down uh, to uh, spend the weekend. We were going to float the new the lower New River, and and they'd never caught a muskie before, so. Um, Anyway, I was also making a couple of OG hellbenders because at the time that's all I was making. I only had one mold and it was an OG hellbender. And so I was taking it to a dude that lives on the James because uh, he and I were catching fish on him. And he, he was like, I want this color. So I kind of got in a hurry because I was leaving that day and I was stupid and didn't have a glove on my hand. And so basically what happened was I wasn't really paying attention. And the Pyrex kind of leaned back with my hand. I pulled it back and it spilled over onto my left hand oh. and my index finger and my palm right there and let me tell you it was so hot that it basically i wiped it off and called my mom immediately and i was like because she was the only person around i was like i can't drive and i can't feel my (laughs) hand it was so hot that uh i was like i read about it online so anyway they said put it in water so Mm -hmm. i stuck it in like a glass of water here i am in the car getting a ride to the er have my hand in like a glass full of water and what's weird is it felt great in the water as soon as you pulled it out dude it was like it was on fire again uh-huh. and it stayed that way until they gave me this cream like three hours later so that sucked but what was worse was i had this huge bandage on my hand and i had to row the next two days up and down the new Ooh. river we didn't catch anything either which is the worst part i wish i could have said at the end like yeah they got one it's worth it yeah <laughs> yeah we didn't catch any uh on that trip and so, yeah, it, it sucked. And uh, I always wear gloves now. So that was yeah. Yeah, me being stupid. Uh, I already, I took one already. Like I've told them a couple of times, I took a knife to the wrist and it kind of did the same thing. Like you wiped it off, but it just continued to burn because like you can only wipe so much off and then some sticks to your skin and it keeps curing and it's still burning you. And it's, it burnt like down to the muscle almost on my wrist. Just yeah, you're little... pulling skin off. When you yeah. wipe off, that's skin. So yeah. once it gets, it, it doesn't, it adheres to your skin. So especially because the moisture, it's not cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, a nurse prac friend of mine was like, you're lucky you went and got it checked out. Because see, you know, guys like us are like, ah, throw some dirt on it. It'll be fine. <laughs> some that thing tape, was yeah. on complete fire. Like like I said, it was on fire. until And if the cream that I put on there, uh, it would it would help. But as soon as that wore off, you had to take the bandage back off put the cream back on there because it's still felt like it was on fire like two days later <laughs> so yeah it's crazy i'm sure there's more Girl. stories but that one was probably one i can probably remember the worst sucked really bad yeah 
had a bandage on like Rowan. I probably have a picture somewhere Rowan with this huge bandage on my hand and <laughs> trying to row with one hand and fight through the rapids on the new. It was, it was garbage. It's a dangerous game. We like we I told you we just had Mike on and he was telling us I never knew this. If you burn plastic, one of some some of the plastics, one of the chemicals released is hydrochloric acid. I never knew that. So I'm like, oh fun. Tell me more about how I can kill myself making musky lures. Well, the worst part is you're kill you're gonna kill yourself to make trout worms. That's versus true. Musky lures. This is true. I'm not nah, even gonna get gonna the get, muscle. We're gonna get him a mold. I'm gonna help him out. We'll we'll get we'll get some kind of cool thing coming. I'm gonna send you some man into, awesome. into musky baits. Well, I got a little surprise. I'll send you some pictures tonight, Mike. I maybe by musky max, I might have my first musky baits. Ah, cool. Ooh-hoo. Very cool. I didn't even tell them that yet. Brad uh, sent me a little package with my first masters. So now it's up to my stupid ass to make a silicone mold. And as long as I don't blow that, I'm gonna have some maybe decent rubber baits it's a Hang lot on. of lot of ifs and a lot of maybes in that. a lot of ifs and maybes huh <laughs> he's like hey oh, let I'm me i saw something nice. cool that uh that might help you then uh with that and i've not used this personally but so i used to build with the silicone stuff you have to build like a little reservoir right mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm like out there with a glue gun and cardboard which it does work but i saw a guy on tiktok make them out of legos have you seen that yeah, I've been doing that actually. Yeah, and I didn't know how freaking expensive Legos were. I went to Walmart the one night. It's like a hundred. I had to buy the Amazon, uh, the China Legos because the, the Walmart Legos were like a hundred bucks a pack, and I couldn't even get enough to build a mold box out of them. I'm like, hey, you want to oh know? What a, you want to know what a good resource for Legos is? Well, I don't know. The Mac discount. True. Yeah, somewhere I didn't. I, they, there's no way they were that expensive when I was little because I had Legos. My parents weren't rich. Dude, Legos are so expensive; it's insane. It's nuts. Like, I think there's a whole box of them in the uh, the dilapidated Canada house. If you well, I'll buy them off you. If you want to drive 15 hours to go pick put them, them on up. eBay, they're probably worth like 500 bucks. Yeah. Well, and another thing for mold boxes, I don't know if you saw them, Mike. If you go on Amazon, they make like for jewelry makers and stuff they make like adjustable mold boxes they're kind of cool i never ordered one yet and i didn't know if you've tried them but i thought about it now i messed around like i said and built these i've i've burned through a lot of glue sticks (laughs) (laughs) messing around with stuff uh so but i wish i'd know again back in the day when i was building those because i'm not doing that anymore i mean there was nobody to ask there was just and that's i guess that's what's Mm. cool about it there was just no Nobody was really doing it. And so, uh, but I made a lot of mistakes is what I'll say for a long time, you know? And so that's kind of where we're going back to like, how do you do it? It's like, man, spend a lot of money and spend a lot of time messing up is what I would say. Yeah. Well, that's I learned the, that real quick. That's the, the beauty of it. Yeah. That's why I had to enlist Brad. Cause I learned, I got, I got my pack of Sculpey clay and I came home all gung ho with my sculpting set. And I'm like, I'm going to make a musky bait. And like six hours later, I'm like, I'm definitely not going to make a musky bait. Like, I am no sculptor. Like, I just, <laughs> I picture like Tom, like the movie Ghost. Like, he's just sitting there, like around the pot and just like <laughs> trying to mold. Oh, this. man, I threw it all on the table. I'm like, let's go, baby. Dude, rub it. That's then... exactly why I'd never made it beyond that stage yeah. in pouring rubber because my dumbass thought that I was going to just like start pouring. <laughs> full-blown shadzillas right off the right off the bat you know yeah tom i gotta give him a lot of credit and i've said it before the way he started is the way that 
anyone should start like very very basic just figuring out very basic colors very basic molds you know and learn to work yeah work your way up i mean so i mean do you have tips mike for i mean i know you don't want to give away the secret spices but like so, so a new guy like me like can you think of any like big mistakes you made that you could give yourself advice now looking back like yeah dude, you, should, you should start Lewis. start yeah. making <laughs> bucktails and buy hellbender I'm sold Lewis. out you can't buy them <laughs> uh, i sell out too quick uh but no i mean here's the thing what i would say is i feel like a, there are a lot of people out there now that um would actually be more open you know to some uh ideas that would be it just if you can get someone that you maybe doesn't mind sharing some things a mentor yeah because again uh they can just tell you things that you're just going to save yourself 50 hours of messing up you know i mean mold making is really the whole part of this that makes it kind of the separation of the different stuff i mean i, I think there's a lot of molds that aren't even made in the united states like they just buy it from other places and so I don't do that. I do it all myself. I mean, and it's not cheap. So, I mean, I would gladly give away. It's not that there's like the secret sauce. It's just the molds I have are the same stuff other people do. You know, mm -hmm. there's some C, I have CNC. I have, you know, some 3D stuff. I have some uh, different stuff from silicone, you know. So it's like I have really pretty much everything. So mm -hmm. um, it's really more so about what I would say your biggest thing is figure out what you want to make this different. And if you make something that's different, maybe have someone that you can bounce questions off of. Uh, but if not, if you're just starting out on your own, um, you know, it, it's just going to be trial and error. And that's part of the fun is enjoy the process. But yep. like I said, I don't have any problem with telling you specifics. If you have any specific questions, I'll definitely, definitely help you. Well, I like that attitude though, the enjoy the process, because I've told these guys, I'm having so much fun making the mistakes. Like I, I love, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I don't love burning a cup of plastic, but I like getting a mistake out. I feel like accomplished when I get a mistake out of the way. Like when I'm Dude, like, I screwed up. I know what I did wrong. I'm not going to do that again. Like I'm, I okay, have had so good. much enjoyment living vicariously through you, just watching you do it, you know, because watching you really enjoy it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and I can tell you really, really, truly do enjoy it. And that's oh, what's yeah. awesome about it. So, and, and again, you don't have to like do it to make for a job. Like Mike, like this isn't your job, right? Like this is your, your hobby. This is a hobby. I mean, you know, I, I have several jobs and this is honestly, this has made become one. I mean, it, like today I was, working on packing baits, doing slips. I mean, it is work, you know. But Do you have anyone that helps work. you? My wife. Okay. And nice. she she helps me with uh, basically the shipping aspect. Um, but recently I've been doing all that myself too, which is cool. She's just been kind of busy doing other stuff. So um, it's, uh, it's the only part I don't really like. Um, like, for instance, I had a guy message me that he thinks uh, he didn't get his order. So here I am you know, running through all the receipts and checking everything. And it turns out he was like, nah, never mind. I, you got it right. But I'm worried that I didn't get him what he wanted because mm -hmm. that's right. kind of the point. And I only have, like, if I sell a certain bait, I have one, it's gone. I don't have like 10 of those sitting around. So it's not right. like you I can't can make just like replace one. it. No, I don't have it. I, I was thinking today, I was literally like, okay, somehow we messed this up. 
I'm certainly not going to blame that on my wife because it's not her fault. And <laughs> if it was, I ain't doing that, right? Good man. It's just, good man. But it felt good that he messaged me back and was like, oh, yeah, never mind. I got it. Anyway, he's like, I never got this. So I looked through it anyway. So uh, it, it's one of those things that it's you just you want people that are going to spend this kind of money with you. Uh, you want them taken care of. And that's that's the thing, too. It's like it. So it. I want to say it's not a job, but it is because I'm spending quite a few hours a week doing this. I mean, pouring and all the different social media stuff. And uh, like I said, I don't have any help from anybody else outside. This is all me, right? Like it's all, I don't use a retailer other than Sam Scott gets a few baits a year. It's all just comes directly from me, come from my website. So it's, it's a daunting task, but it's fun. It's work. Like I said, it is, but I like that people, as long as they catch fish on it, that's my favorite thing. Like I sold a bait at the West Virginia Clendenin show on Saturday and he messaged me like Monday morning, like, dude, I caught a fish today on your bait. And that was the coolest That's thing awesome. ever because yeah. it's one of like his first fish. And I'm glad I was a small part of that. And I heard maybe Painter or uh, Andy talking about that, uh, that it, you're a small part of it. And that is cool. Yeah. I'm a huge part of it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, an integral yeah. part of it. It really is. It's, it's, it, it and until you you do that until you build a bait and spend that time and you know take all the ups and the downs that come with building whatever bait i don't care if it's a glide bait rubber bucktail it could be any one of these things like it all takes work to try to figure it out and catching a fish on or having someone else catch a fish on one of your baits is just you know it feels almost as good as catching catching the fish yourself we've we've talked about this a little bit too and you know that's not something a lot of guys really take the time to do, you know, like they catch a fish on a bait like that. And, you know, Mike, maybe you get a lot of that, but we've had guys come on and say like, that's not something that they get a whole lot of, you know, like people sending them pictures. And I think like one of the things we've tried to talk about on this podcast is like, Hey, if you're, if you're catching fish on these baits, like send them to the bait, send those pictures to the bait maker, because you never know. Like, even if it's like, like I sent a picture to, to Brian Boyer, you know, I caught a fish on a perch bait and Brian's caught so many fish and so many big fish, you know, like he's not, you know, sending him a picture of a 36 inch muskie might not make sense, but you never know. Like, dude, you could be having a bad day or whatever. You get that fish picture. Like, I think the point is like, as guys are listening to this and you're out there fishing, like take the time to send those pictures. Like they're meaningful regardless yes, of how big the that's- fish is. That's why guys sit in their basements or in their garages or in their shops or wherever they do this. They don't, you know, very few of us are making baits to make money. Like when I say like profit, you know, like like this is being a a hugely profitable operation. Yeah. Like for the most part, it's hobby. Like I believe there are guys that like uh, Mike, I mean, obviously you sell out. So like you you've got to be like making a couple bucks and that's, that's awesome. That's what, you know, that's kind of what, why would you build a bait if you didn't want people to buy it? But that's, I don't feel like that's your primary motivation. You know what I mean? Of, of, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to make one bait and make as much profit as I possibly can. I agree. That's exactly what it is. I mean, yeah, the money's there because there's a nice profit margin as far as just anything you're making, but you don't count, in or don't factor in your time so that's the thing it's like you can make a 
pretty good amount of money on lure, but how much time did you, you know, take into all of the development of it? And, mm-hmm. and I agree it really, to me, it's not about how much profit it is because look at all the taxes and everything you spend, you're going to spend it all back on remaking lures. Right. Uh, but it's really like when you get a picture, especially like somebody who's just getting into it is like the coolest thing, or even, you know, somebody who's guiding, you know, I send baits up North all the time, Minnesota, Wisconsin, those places, and we sell them all over the place. But that's all I ask for. Please just send me a picture of the lure in the fish's mouth just because that's cool to me. Like that, yeah. you know, is, is my favorite part. I agree. Absolutely. That's really cool. And you're right. Some guys are secretive. They don't want to, you know, and I get that because there are, you know, certain places that there's a lot of dudes fishing, very pressured fish. And if they find a lure that catches fish on it, they don't want to tell. And I don't blame them. I've had a lot of guys message me and be like, yeah, I caught this on this. And I'm like, shoot me a picture. He's like, if you don't post it. And I'm like, I get that. So I don't, but it kind of defeats a little bit of the purpose of there are people that doubt your stuff. That's just how it is. Right. Or there's people that think it's great. You just want to show them, Hey, you can invest in this because you are going to catch fish, but it's not for everybody. And I get that. I mean, I don't sell, I don't sell them to sell more baits. Really. It's like I sell them because I want them to catch fish on my baits instead of maybe, you know, other baits. I don't know like a competition type thing. It's not really about the money. Yeah. Pride, you know, pride yeah. in your workmanship. When do you think, cause you're so busy now, Mike, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't always that way. You mentioned back in the day, having like a table left of lures at the end. Like when, what do you think was the catalyst or like the turning point for when Hellbender got the cult following and got you so busy? Uh, so it all depends on the venue. So like when I went to Kentucky, we sold a few, you know, but I, I probably, probably bought i can't remember how many maybe 50 there and sold 20 of them at the time this is years ago but a lot of guys i'm just like even recently at the elk river show there were a lot of window shoppers there were just people that were like checking out the stuff and weren't buying stuff i mean it all based on the economy like during covid i sold a ton of baits and then it kind of ebbs and flows but in the beginning what really kind of set my stuff I think a part was um, when I made the Hellraiser and then did like a Facebook group. This was years ago. So I know everybody's doing it now, but at the time, I mean, we were doing like uh, scavenger hunts. So you would like, I would post this bait and be like, first person to bring a lighter, a topwater bait, a beer can, a this, <laughs> and post a picture of it gets to buy the bait. It was fun. Uh... We did it. Yeah. And it was a private group. Some people still have those. And I did that for like eight months, made a bunch of money. And then just I stopped doing it because a couple of things, a lot of people then all the people in the in the uh, group had baits and, you know, you could make a lot of different colors, which I do. Uh, but it was um, kind of not getting it out to everybody else. So I would say it was some of those Facebook groups. And then, of course, people catching fish on them. Like I said, yeah. the first few years of me making them, people were dominant on the Hellbender. I mean, there were a lot of baits made after that, just like a lot of baits were made after the Bulldog and the Medusa. And, you know, like there'll be baits made after Panthers baits and my baits and Armand Trout makes some cool stuff. I mean, there's a bunch of people that make cool stuff. So it was kind of like, yeah, I can catch fish on uh, this Hellbender, but, you know, I can also maybe make it cheaper if I do it. So it's I think it just kind of became people wanted them because they could catch fish on them. Yeah. I have another question in my phone too. I'm just going to hit it too. It's, it's kind of my running. I'm going to add this to my running list for bait makers. Um, have you ever like got down in the dumps or like wanted to quit? And if so, what like brought you back out of it? Like, did you ever just one day throw your hands up and like, I can't do this anymore. I'm fed up and 
if so, what brought you back from that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, definitely, I mean, it's just like everything else. I mean, you're going to get discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main thing is that just getting a text from people like, hey, man, uh, can you make this bait? And, and there's been times that there's crickets just because it's, you know, you're not putting it out there. Um, there's, you know, I, I feel like when some of my, I was kind of in the dumps about my musky mobster bait. I was super excited about it. Yeah. It's a 14 inch crawdad I was telling you guys about, you know, I spent a lot of time and money on it. And then I was super upset that I just couldn't didn't get translate. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's I've actually fixed it, but I'm not selling nice. it yet because there's <laughs> things I want to do with it first. Um, but that was a huge blow to me because that was my first bait outside of all of the stuff that I make, right? The Hellbender, the Hellraiser, the Boogeyman. And then it was like, oh, here's a whole different style bait. No one else is making this on the market. A lot of people are making sucker style baits. No one's making a big crawdad, big lobster. So I did all this stuff, applied for a patent, did all these other things. I got discouraged a little bit on some guys that kind of copied some stuff I was doing. Uh, that that mm-hmm. upset me. But at, honestly, you guys have seen it. If you copy, you're not going to need the bait maker to come after you. It's going to yeah. be all the people oh, that have followed me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're yeah. like, get him. I mean, that mm-hmm. happens. You know what I mean? And and so I got my idea from a guy that I was a partner with in a – so I used to be also a musky guy. We didn't talk about that any, but – um, I've hung that up recently, but I, I guided for muskies for like five years. And, and oh. so we had like a lure company and a guide service and, okay. you know, I don't want to talk too much about that because there was some guy got kind of mixed into the wrong crowd. He took off, doesn't live here anymore. And, yeah. you know, I'd invested a bunch of money into both of those companies. My basically client from, of mine, who knows? There you go. Uh, so I basically <laughs> no, then just said, I'm making my own stuff, molded it. You know, I looked at the law on it because you say, so you're a lawyer, one of you guys? Yeah, yeah I am. And, and, and particularly particularly criminal defense, that's what I do. Okay, cool. So Which, when I say, well, I, when he said he got in, involved with the wrong crowd, I'm thinking, okay, yeah. Potential client, maybe. Owen, re- right. Owen represents the wrong crowd. I got I, it. I, and, yeah. Point Which one ends as so, a lawyer? There you go. I, I was actually a judge for 18 years. Really? Is that right? So, yeah. And so uh, I was a magistrate judge in West Virginia from when I was 23 until uh, last year. So, Do you know Frank Walker? The Walker name sounds familiar. What part of West Virginia is he from? He's normally he he's uh he practices in the northern. He's a Pittsburgh guy. But okay. he went to WVU, so he's got a okay. lot of contacts down there. So he's I like see. really the only guy that that you know regularly goes to West Virginia that I'm that I know of. He's a really good dude. I see. Okay, I don't I don't think I know him. I'm more like I said, I'm kind of the complete west part of the state. So Morgantown's about three hours from me. Um, but uh, so that's kind of the point of what I was saying is that you know he kind of went down the wrong path. We were partners on a lot of his business stuff. He went down a different path. And I, of course, was a sitting magistrate and I couldn't really do <laughs> some of the things or wasn't comfortable with the people that were there. And so I kind of told him, I said, you know, I'm I've got all this money invested in this business. I'm going to continue to guide and, you know, I'm going to make some baits. And, you know, so I basically took what he did. I looked at the law and I've made it, you know, the minimum's 10 percent different, but I made it much different and did my own thing and then branched out and. So, I mean, every bait comes from something, you know, but I feel like those are things that maybe there's some misconception out there about how I got started, or maybe people don't know that. 
But there's a lot of things that people don't know about when it comes to what you invest. I mean, uh, and what the time you spend and what that's mm -hmm. worth, you know, in a court of law, if you're a lawyer, you would understand that, that that's part of the reason why I filed some protection with the oh, uh, patent offices, right? With copyrights. And there was a dude that made a bait that was kind of like mine and was just like, well, I mean, if we need to go to federal court, that's fine with me because that's what I do. So <laughs> right. we didn't do it. It's all good. But again, those are things that put me in the dumps. That was the thing. It's like yep. the guy that I gave baits to, sold baits to, gave secrets to, then uh. he copied me and sold them. A couple guys did that, right? So it's all good. That it Again, those are things that I've changed. You know, I've forgiven them. I've also talked to them, a couple of them since then. Like, dude, it's all good, man. I don't hold any grudges. Uh, then, let me send you some free baits. And I did. So That's cool. Like you said, though, it's amazing how one, like, picture, like, hey, man, like, caught a fish on a bait. Like, that can just bounce you back from all the bad, like, all the dark. Just, like, one positive text or one, like, good person can just bring you back from all the bullshit. It's cool. 100%. And that's why I was saying people came to my defense that I didn't even know, like, I mean, they, they had bought some baits. They were just like, dude, you can't do that. Like, it's not mm -hmm. cool. So, Well, we, we just saw a, sim a kind of a similar situation happen with – a friend of the podcast here with mm -hmm. Evan, Evan Shoss, somebody, you know, was posted on Facebook that they came up with this new bait that, you know, was going to wow everyone. And it was basically just like, just like his and everyone jumped all over the bait maker. Like, dude, that's just like Evan's bait. So yeah, yeah I mean, Evan it, doesn't even have to say anything. Right. His, right yeah. Policy, yeah. Like just, he didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't have to say, didn't have to lift a finger, you and know, like, like you mentioned that like 10% differential too. Like that's, it's right. not, it's not the, when you have that, and I'm, I'll just, I'll speak to this a little bit. Cause we didn't really talk to this whole thing. Cause I was, I was slightly involved in that, the Evan thing, <laughs> you know, when you're looking at these baits, like, first of all, when you're friends with somebody and you have a really good relationship, like the natural reaction there is to get defensive. Right. And like, that's, I feel like what a lot of it happens, but when you take into account, like, even if it was like 10 or 15 or 20% different, like, I think a lot of that probably wouldn't happen, but whenever you take that instance and you have the exact same, like, well, we'll use the example of a lip cut. Like if somebody, you know, developed or did something specific with like a lip cut or like whatever it is with that lip on a bait, when somebody goes out and replicates it, you know, and it's, it's almost exact to that specific model. I think that's when like the He-Man woman haters club comes out and just starts, you know, immediately gets on the defensive. And, you know, that's like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think sometimes it can be a really good thing. And I think sometimes it can be a really bad thing, but when you've got somebody, you know, Mike, you've been doing that for a long time, you know, like I know Evan's been doing that for a long time. Like when you have that cult following, like it's, it's never, that's never going to not, you know, not be an option for, for the guys that are behind you. I was you know, the old saying imitation is the greatest form of flattery. It, you know, <laughs> that, that if, obviously if you've, if you've made something that is good enough for someone to try to copy, you know, that's, that's a nod right. to what you've done. That's a nod to what you've done. It's just the kind of a human nature thing, though. Like, we go on the defensive with that because you want to protect your buddy, number one, because you know he's working hard. So, I don't know. I think that stuff is valid. I think it's like, I don't think it's a bad thing. But, you know, some of those guys aren't going to go away. They're going to keep doing that stuff. So, Yeah, there, there's, I mean, and that's the thing. People do see that 
you know, I can go online and buy this stuff and I can go pour silicone mold and then I can make a hundred grand making lures. I mean, that's never going to stop. It's a get rich quick scheme thing that, you know, like I said, it's not, you know, no one's, you know, coming up with this stuff completely on their own because again, you're going to look at something and create your own, but when it's so close and, you know, that person approaches you and says, Hey man, can you change this? I mean, I've talked to a couple of guys after I've seen some prototypes and I've just said, I'm not necessarily that comfortable with this certain aspect of it. And they were cool about it. Right. Like, uh, so it's not always like the worst case scenario. I've also, you know, had the other side of it where people have talked to me and say, well, what do you think about changing it? You know, it's like, it, it, it doesn't have to be cutthroat the way it is, you know, sometimes uh, there's enough room and enough money for everybody. And that's what I would say is being original. Uh, I mean, it's not reinventing the wheel either. Like there are things that you can do that are slightly different. Like I saw a um, couple guys that make kind of the same two baits, like, and I don't know, I don't really, some guy makes like a toad and then also makes like the bullfrog and they look exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> now the tails are different but I guess they're cool with it. And I'm cool with that, that they're cool with it. I mean, maybe they're in their own lanes. Like I sell tons of toads and you can make this little toad and sell that. I mean, there's a lesson to be learned there maybe for me. I mean, they're both soft plastic. The head looks exactly the same to me, Mm -hmm. but maybe that's the lesson learned is that you don't have to make it all about like, Hey, this isn't the end of the world. We can all make money. I don't know. I mean, um, it's, it's something about being original is a big deal. I think that's the big deal. I agree. I think sometimes that's a little easier said too when you've got that cult following already because you know guys that are you know they're they're trying to break in they don't have that backing i don't know it's just a little different i I agree with you though like i feel like there's different spaces for that and it's just i don't know there's to me there's like never right and wrong there because you just there's a lot that goes into this and you you want to like us really we kind of want to protect the guys that have been doing it for a long time the guys that you support and i don't know that's an interesting i agree no and i guess the only reason i say that is is like i've basically been in the middle of those types of conversations for a decade about copying and what's yours and what isn't so it's like i guess maybe the maturation of being involved in this game for this long it's like turn the other cheek i mean i guess i'm just getting kind of you know less wanting to fight at my older age i'm not that old but (laughs) my point is in lure age i mean i've been breathing in a lot of plastic for a long time i don't have the energy (laughs) to fight over some dude that has a tail that's like mine i mean there's a friend of mine that makes a bait now and we had a conversation about the tail because it's exactly a tail that i make but i don't even really care like he's not going to sell it on the open market we all agree on like okay it's different but the same it's all good so maybe that's just you know I don't know. Maybe that's a maturation process or maybe that's something that it's like, it's all good, man. There's plenty of money to be made. Just be original. And it, it doesn't yeah. have to, you know, be that serious. And, uh, but I get it with Evan and those guys. Like I just talked to him. He bought some King Claws off me last week and he's going to sell out at Muskie Max this weekend. Oh, like, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Saturday, yeah. he said, yeah, he was talking. I told him, like, I guess he was hoping to have enough baits for Sunday. And I don't know how. Or do people hold them back? I mean, you know, is that what's going to happen? I know that happened in the past. You see yeah. some people running like a stock. The day. Like they'll f- refill their oh. pegs kind of a little bit. Well, okay. I think once someone reaches, the, I, I don't know, has Evan. It's all like, dependent oh, on the Has Evan maker, officially yeah. sold out before in the oh, sense yeah. like. 
1000 yeah. percent sold yeah. out yeah and, and yeah i, mean, I think it's... the guys i think the guys that the the only reason to hold back baits is to bring people in the door like as a bait maker you want to i mean theoretically i don't want to spend more time at a show like your hourly rate would be i want to sell my baits and get out of there but the show wants to be able to have people coming in on Sunday and have hellbender lures available or, you know, or Shoss baits available. So what, you know, I, I think that's really the only real reason to hold back baits. Right. I, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I just remember I went to the Chicago show in like 2015 and that was when the fat bastard went crazy. And I went there, talked to John, got some baits from him. Uh, Cause I, I used to um, run around with Brandon Lilly from uh, Figure Eight. We did a lot of stuff together. We filmed shows and did promotions and stuff. And um, but anyway, John's thing was, I mean, he must have just had a million baits because he had to like have a list and this and that. And I just thought that was cool. Like I said, I know other guys do that. I'm just not sure if people line up like they do or used to, and the baits are gone, and you can't. You know, some people will hold baits back or they used to just to well, have we'll something see to sell this year. on Sunday. Uh, you know, this is the first going to be the first like I I, I want to call normal musky max because you didn't have we had it in 2020. You didn't have it at all in 2021. You had it in 2022, which was great, but you still had a lot of, you know, you know, there were still question marks. This will be like the the year to see whether you know, people really flood the place and, you know, really, really, you know, buy out vendors. Yeah. yeah. Like that's a, that's an interesting thing too, with the holdback. Like I feel like, and I don't know, like Mike, maybe you have some perspective on this. Like when you go to a show like that, you have a rack full of baits, like, especially if you're small batch, like Evan, you know, like you want to get those baits out to as many people as you can. And you right. only have so many baits. Like, I don't yeah. I don't want to hold back baits. If, if people are going to buy them, I want people to buy them. Right. right. Yeah. I and mean, there's not, I mean, there's not that, I mean, how many people actually truly sell out? Like if you go back to New York, not this year, but last year, like I think Evan was the only vendor in that entire building that sold out. And he had literally like two baits hanging there. True blood. And, well, True Glad might have yet too. I didn't think about that. Sorry. He only okay. brought like, like 45 what, seconds. He only brought like 12 baits. So. Okay. That was ridiculous. <laughs> that was crazy to me because I walked in there. He literally came in like two minutes before the show started. He brought a suitcase. suitcase, threw like four baits, five baits on the table, and they were gone. <laughs> I got a and a whole bunch of the epoxy. Yeah. Yeah. Won't Slow Flow, won't Seth Thompson sell out, or is that not he, a thing I'm, anymore? Oh, I'll. I'm sure uh, he was just kind of added. He, he hasn't been the, okay. I believe he was just added. I I'll bet he will sell out. Yeah. I yeah would, his I stuff is ridiculous. I mean, as far as glide baits, like the colors and what he does, like, I don't know. You guys, but then know, again, again, I don't buy baits anymore, but his stuff is ridiculous. But yeah, when, so when we say baker. sell out, like, you know, if he brings 500 baits, no, he's not going to sell out. If he brings 100, 150 baits, yeah, he very well might. I don't I don't know yeah. what type of volume we're talking about here. I'm I'm well, kind of curious because I think people are going to spend this year. I think we yeah. had, like, Owen, you were talking about that, like, fresh off of COVID, like, last yeah, year. Yeah, this is, like, the first, like, full, like, open throttle, 
Like, just go. Like, Everybody's spending no but me. I'm not spending well, I, at all. <laughs> I, I think I, the lineup is super impressive, and I wish I could make it. Uh, I know that those booths fill up pretty quickly. I, I did. I looking at the dates. I tried to do New York, couldn't do it. Had some issues with like just. It's hard. Like I said, everybody has lives. There's just no way to be able to for me to go to every weekend, travel somewhere to do something. But uh, since I can't come to Muskie Max, I'm doing a sale this weekend. I want to tell you guys about, and uh, it's 15 percent off the whole website, which I'll, I'll have hopefully 75, 80 baits, which is a pretty good amount of baits. Uh, awesome. for sale nice all the different models but what's cool about and again it that's hell that's hellbenderlures.com right yeah yep and people okay. can go to all the social media that i have just if you search hellbender lures it's you can search it through google you can go through facebook instagram tiktok it's all there but just because you guys are so cool to have me on here and i really appreciate it uh, i'm also going to give free shipping to all your listeners so when they that's check awesome. out they'll oh. get the 15 percent off which will be you just enter the code of hb lures 15 and there'll be a it'll be on the website there'll be a, a thing for people to see that so they don't get the name wrong but if your listeners type in at the free shipping code uh musky hunks uh they will also get free shipping so you're talking 25 percent awesome. off baits uh, well, which is yeah, about the only huge. time i'm going to do because that because i was shocked like two weeks ago when i when my hoodie's when I, when I got the hoodies, a bunch of people ordered them and I took those things to the post office and I'm like, Oh yeah, there's gotta be a flat rate shipping, you know, box. That'll be super easy. It was like the smallest thing was 1295. <laughs> it was like the smallest thing that would fit a hoodie was 1295. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I only charged somebody $40 and it's going to cost me now 1295 to ship the damn thing. Like, Holy cow. I got to rethink. I gotta rethink this whole <laughs> this whole pricing structure. Like Mike so, is rethinking the free shipping right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, no, no. I'm saying is, to our listeners, yeah, like that yeah, is yeah. a significant that is a significant like uh, we're not Amazon. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you, we're, this isn't like Adidas offering free yeah. shipping. This is a guy, this is a guy who does this as a hobby saying, listen, if 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 the listeners of this podcast want to order his baits, like enter this code and he will ship it for free, which I think is just the free base awesome. pretty much, which yeah, is awesome. awesome. Just yeah, awesome. So you're going to so. save at least $10 shipping to PAS mm -hmm. ship a lot there, at least $10. If you buy, let's say one Hellbender and a Hellraiser or something smaller too, that'll be 10 to $15 that you're going to save right there. Plus you'll get 15% off total of your entire lure or your entire order order. So yeah, you're saving 25%, I would say. And, and like I said, this will probably be one of the the last big batch of baits I make for a while because uh, I'm about ready to choke from all the plastic I've been breathing since, like, <laughs> uh, Black Friday. I mean, I've made, like, 300, 400 baits. I'm, I'm almost oh, tapped man, out. Good. Oh, time yeah, to start throwing baits instead of pouring them. Yeah, that's right. So that's my season, too. It's like... Uh, I do like a Black Friday drop where I hook people up with like 15% off. And then from that point until about March, I hit it pretty hard and then I'm done. Now, there'll be times I come back, but I want to be fishing and doing other stuff like everybody else does. Got families and got other jobs. And uh, yeah, so I hope you guys, uh, you know, hope some people come and take advantage of it. Because like That's I said, really I only cool, do that man. once a year. 
Yeah. We Absolutely. really, we really appreciate that. Yeah, of course, awesome, no, I appreciate you. you guys having me on, man. That's that's the cool thing is I uh, really appreciate it, the opportunity to come on and talk to you guys. I don't know any of you guys, so uh, and yeah, I like getting into the time. new group. I and mean, you guys have a good following. I mean, I've I've listened to your podcast quite a few times. You always have cool guests, and uh, it's not the kind of same different stuff you hear at other places. It's cool, man. I, I like what you guys are doing. That's awesome. appreciate Thank that. You, and man. honestly, like you've really fit our vibe. You know, oh, like, yeah. and so we've really, really enjoyed this. But You'll be back, before Mike. we let you go, honestly, I, I have a question for you. And that, like one thing that I've noticed about your baits, you know, because I follow a bunch of different guys that pour rubber on Instagram and even the European guys. And there's, you know, there's a lot of a lot of different styles to it. And you seem to work in the medium of the actual plastic. Like the when you're working colorants, you don't do it. Doesn't seem that you do a ton of painting. You're more working like, hey, I'm gonna color the, I'm gonna do layering, and I'm gonna color the actual rubber as opposed to painting. I did see some like scaling and stuff on certain baits, but I'm talking like overall, you're more working in the medium of glitter and coloration. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, and that's. You know, I heard you guys talk before about glitter. I mean, I get my glitter from Hobby Lobby, Walmart. I mean, any of the regular places. Now, I've ordered them from all the websites, too. But, I mean, like, honestly, the stuff from Michael's is fire. I mean, mm -hmm. so it, it's basically all colored through that because I don't want to pay someone to paint for me all the time. Now, Boggs did a run for me where he painted. But, yeah, if I want to color, I basically just do it by trial and error. And that's that's kind of the thing that I like about it is I get to – go in and play with colors. Now it's also um, a double-edged sword because it's hard for me to replicate because again, I'm doing this for fun. I'm making baits like, uh, I know your listeners can't see it, but I made one that looks like, uh, you guys ever seen the movie, The Exorcist? Oh yeah. She throws up like the pea soup. soup. Hold on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, again, it's, Oh, oh yeah, pea soup. I, now, like I know it. that listeners can't listen, but it's like a chartreuse or can't see it chartreuse with like a green flake. But again, this is just fun. It's got that I mean, magic like, kind of yeah. feel from the West Virginia. It it's got a little magic -y vibe to it. Yeah. And so it's all it's all glitter. I'm glad you asked that question because it is. I mean, pretty much everything I've done with is glitter. Now, I do use some colorants, but I'd rather make it with glitter because I feel like you can control the color a little bit better. And I probably use too much glitter, but when you see that thing in the water hit the sunlight, that's why you do it. Like it, mm -hmm. it's more expensive, but it's cool because man, that thing glows. Like you see some of my pictures, you should see those things underwater when it's, you know, so much glitter in there, you probably shouldn't do it, but it, it just, it makes it more fun because <laughs> they look cool. Right. Like, yeah. uh, so yeah, I do a lot of coloration with glitter, some, some colorant, but a lot of it's glitter. Well, we're going to see them underwater, and then when we do, we're going to get you back on here in the summer after we've had a chance to toss them around and play with them a little Absolutely, bit. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I can't I can't wait to, to get a chance to, to to check these things out. If Tom's ever going to actually – If they don't get know, lost. Allow yeah. us. If, if don't we don't misplace see these, them. Yeah. Tom's like, oh, I don't – Kayla must have taken them. Yeah, I can't find them. Not in this box. <laughs> maybe next time. I feel like, you know, maybe the uh, – we don't have a, a Honk Spring Fling champion yet, but – you know, the previous hunks champion might, you know, repeat on one of those lures mm -hmm. here real soon. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question for you guys. Oh, this boy. is, this is, a, okay. So here's my, and you guys probably already answered this maybe in a different episode, but so this time of year, 
from like November to let's say March is my favorite time of year to fish. Why are you guys fishing right now or no? I was well, out our, Monday, last Monday. And our, our missing hunk here tonight, Donnie. Donnie is he like was. the he's the guy that's out there. He lives right by the river. Uh oh really Donnie and Nick fish. I I don't I don't get out my boat is you know in storage until spring so see i won't be fishing my bread and butter is november through march like i love that time of year to like get out and hit the creeks and stuff but this year not so much because i've literally spent every like available minute working on my boat so <laughs> that they, was probably oh, sorry. do they pull all the docks down by you in west virginia or no uh well i mean we're basically fishing rivers i don't really mess with the okay. lakes until it gets warm uh yeah i mean the rivers this is the time like uh, i'm hopefully going tomorrow I'm supposed to go over to ohio but i might be going out tomorrow in the jet um so we'll see nice. i mean this is they should be feeding right now i mean they're they're getting fat for the spawn uh and this would be a good time to fish big rubber and then it's funny that that drops off in like about three weeks and it's you got to throw little bass stuff to catch them that's what deters a lot of people around here is that the fish commission pulls most mm -hmm. of the, the even in our rocks. rivers really see yeah. i didn't know any of that that's so kind of crazy so is there a season on muskies up there no season no no season they're okay. just worried about ice damage i think on the docks and i oh, get yeah. distracted maybe maybe mike's with me on this one i'm a steel guy so the winter i kind of make my way up to erie to play with the trout a little bit but you ever done that mike cool uh, I used to go to Manistee uh, in oh, okay. the fall and fish for king salmon, but basically they're dead zombies in the river. Yeah. So we went there just to drink beer. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's it's a cool trip, like a guy's trip. But, again, it's it's they're, I Honestly, most of the guys that were there fishing were, like, snagging them. It's crazy. Yeah, like, oh, I, yeah the salmon. I, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we were catching. I used to fly fish with egg sacks below the salmon reds to get steelhead yep. and, and brown trout. And that was pretty fun. It's just uh, kind of a bit of a drive for me. Oh, yeah. Um, but you guys, like, I know there's fish up there, like, on the Mon right now being caught. That's not oh, too yeah. far from you guys, right? Yep. That's about – I could be on the Mon in about – I guess. Not on the Mon. I, I could be on the Mon no? in about okay. 20 minutes. The Mons – so we have we have the three rivers, and then we have another river that nobody really talks about. That's kind of your jet boat river. But the three rivers, for the most part, they're – the, you got the barge channel in the middle that's going to be like 10 to 15 feet in most areas and you're good i mean people take houseboats on them there's it's a lot of smaller rivers up as you get higher higher in the allegheny yeah the north the, the further north you get on the allegheny you know obviously yeah. it, it gets more narrow like we have a really solid like creek system the problem is that a lot of it's private property mm -hmm. so you gotta start knocking on doors to get you know permission to get down in there but i think that deters a lot of guys too but and you know, a lot of our creeks are the crawdad territory they're not even mm -hmm. the jet boat territory they're the little little kayak get, float tube kind of. we get a lot of like outflow action this time of year too yeah you know like that's a those are good areas up here to spend time on but it just depends on the rain and where the where the water's at too a lot but yeah i don't know man i want to fish really i think bad. you mispronounced the crawdad <laughs> it's actually called the crawl mom yeah <laughs> yeah my buddy i used to catch a ton of fish out of the crawl dad we call it the mom the mommy the mimi i mean Ooh. we put that thing do some rapids uh caught a lot of fish out of those small boats so i know That's... what you're talking about and i agree the access has kept me off a lot of places because 
all those fish right now, between now and April, uh, they'll move further up, like as you guys know. But they're the giants that are – I'm trying to catch some of these fish that come out of the Ohio that are coming up to these smaller tributaries in the next month or so. And that's where you get a chance at a 50, 52. Uh, but you're right. A lot of this stuff is limited access. There's no boat ramps. you got to drop stuff off the hillside, and there's no way to take out. And, you know, so I'm with you. It is – it sounds like, hey, we should all be fishing right now, but – the good fishing is probably in places you can't get to. Right. I was going to say, do you, do you target the Ohio much? Not the main Ohio. Um, mm -hmm. I've never caught one in the main Ohio proper, but off of it, several, I mean, there's, if you look at the stems, I mean, the way it goes up into Ohio itself, West Virginia, and then, you know, the Kanawha river comes into um, the Ohio at Point Pleasant, West Virginia. So that goes all the way up and that's basically comprised of the new river. Yeah. So, the system basically is is full of fish and and it's weird like you guys were talking on another episode about stocking west virginia quit stocking just like i think they said in virginia they're not doing it either like we yeah. basically our state just said we're going to stock walleye and we're going to spend the money on that because the fry are way cheaper we don't have to raise them to be the advanced fingerling it's a whole nightmare so like the light the lakes like stonewall gets stocking mon river gets stocking but any of the rivers I fish, they haven't stocked there in years. I mean, wow. it's you've got to find places that they're reproducing, and people aren't finding them. Is really the, the spot. Huh. Point Pleasant. That's crazy. Quite a bit of I didn't issue with people yeah. keeping them too. Oh yeah, come on, hilljacks. Just like yeah. they keep yes. them like they're trout. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they keep them like they're trout. They there are dudes that really target catching muskies, especially now. They want to catch them. They know that they they're they're just like us. They know where they can get them. But they're they're meat hunters for sure. It's really prevalent in West Virginia, in my opinion. Yeah. There'll be dudes standing at certain places where they know fish can't, like in all falls and stuff. Fish can't go any further. So this time of year, they're in those holes, and those guys like catch them on live suckers and let them swallow it and hit them on the head, shoot them with a twenty-two, dumb stuff. I mean, it happens for sure. We had I see a, them do it. We had a maybe two. When was the last time they stalked, Nick? Could you remember like the mon and this? Is that two years or three years? Uh, I don't know. It might have been every other year, isn't yeah. it? I think this yeah. was two years ago then. Uh, we were doing a stalking, and some guy was showing me pictures of a bow fisherman on one of our rivers that shot. It was like a 52 or a 53, put like five arrows right through its head. And they were you know why they do there. that? Yeah. At night, the muskies, this is what's crazy. And there was a sting on the New River a few years back. These guys were supposedly bow fishing and carp fishing, but they were going up to these creek mouths in the New River with their bow lights and just shooting muskies left and right. I mean, mm -hmm. killing them all over the place. And it's like no any shit. place else, they're, they're reproducing. But even if they reproduce, the density is so low that you, I mean, you, you're not going to catch them. If any people kill them, you're screwed. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like they almost have to be catch and release completely, right? In order mm -hmm. for this to be something that works. But yeah, I mean, it's there's people, you know, there are people that think muskies are like trash fish, which is crazy. And a lot of those bass guys hate them. I used to see bass guys catching muskies and killing them and throwing them back in the water. Right. Right. They can't well, I, I've mountain. heard of I've heard stories about that, uh, you know, in in Minnesota and also I think in, in parts of Canada where people just like absolutely hate, hate the yeah. fish. Convinced they, that they, they're eating all the water. You want to eradicate whatever. It. Mm -hmm. the new river is notorious i haven't been I, I used to fish there like exclusively but uh it was just like any guy that was bass fishing if you went and talked to him he would be like i hate muskies i hope they all die any yeah. almost not any of them 
but like 80% of them would be like, we hate muskies. They eat all the smallmouth. And it's like, they have all these studies. They don't even eat smallmouth. I mean, right. maybe mm-hmm. if, you know, they, everybody has a story of smallmouth's on the line and, and uh muskie comes up and grabs it. Well, yeah, right. the smallmouth sits that's still the, shaking, That's a fish in right? distress. Yeah. 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 It's a hellbender. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we've reached about the two hour point, but before we wrap things up, I want to ask a couple of questions in first. I I know Ryan, you normally ask this. Go ahead. What is, what's the biggest fish caught on a hellbender lure? And what's the biggest fish you've caught yourself on a hellbender lure? Um, my biggest fish on a hellbender lure was a, it was actually a really cool story. My first 50 inch muskie was caught on one of my baits. That's awesome. I still got it hanging up in the garage over there. Uh, I'm going to give so, that the little golf clap because I, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. You know, absolutely, man. That's beautiful. And my daughter was in the boat with me and one of my really oh, good friends. So it was a really God. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, plus uh, it was on a low density body of water and it was my first 50, which was really cool. Jeez. Uh, the biggest was a 51. Um, and that was caught on the new river. I would say that was the biggest. It was bigger than mine. Uh, but my biggest was, uh, 50. So, wow. Very nice. Pretty awesome. cool. What and to fish. have your daughter on the boat when, when you catch something like that is just like kind of the cherry on top. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it'll be hard to top that one for sure. And that's something she'll remember too. Oh yeah. Forever. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I remember when I was little, my dad and the people that taught me fit how to fish catching trout and stuff. So I can't imagine being a little kid around a 50 inch muskie. I mean, come on. It doesn't oh, yeah. get better. Absolutely. Does she like the muskie fishing too, or just likes to go. She's along? at the age where she doesn't like her. You know, she likes me, but you know, she's 13. <laughs> so it's, we're, we're at the struggle bus level. Uh, she'll come back. <laughs> she'll, she'll come back around. She, uh, mm-hmm. she likes, she likes to fish a little bit, but it's more, she likes, you know, the mall and stuff like that. So, She's Give it a few it's years. all good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she'll be back. We've had yeah. a lot. She actually caught a muskie when she was on the New River when she was like four. Uh, That's cool. So she oh, wow. she remembers that. She still talks about. I don't know if she remembers it, but she's seen the picture. She still talks about it. So I think she'll come back. I've hopefully burned some of those core memories into her. She's caught striper and trout and smallmouth and muskie and so. That's, you know, she's the only child, so I hope she does come back, you know, as she gets older. But right now, it's probably going to be boys the next few years, so I'm trying to digest that as well. (laughs) I'm not ready for that shit, man. That's why you're not the judge anymore, huh? My oldest daughter is about to turn 12 next, you know, about a week, and uh, not ready. Get ready, dude. Once she finds out, she she found boys yet? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Thank God. I think mine's finding him and not telling me about it. So yeah, there you go, go, man. You gotta check. You gotta check the yeah. electronics, man. Oh, I got it. I'm. I'm yep. I didn't leave that much of the court behind me. I still work in the court. <laughs> I just don't work as a judge. So <laughs> that's awesome. I'm the clerk, so I don't. I don't have to actually hear the cases. I just hold the files. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's good. Well, this has been a blast, Mike, man. Oh, this yeah. has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, I really want to, you know, stress to our listeners, like, how you know, how big of a deal it is that he's offering 15% mm-hmm. on his orders. Plus, if you enter the code. Free shipping, which I'll put on the flyer. Hunts. I'll put yeah. all this on the flyer. So, so we'll put it on it. the flyer. Um, but, yeah, man, 
That's awesome. You are exactly the type of guy that we want to talk to on a regular basis. You know, someone who obviously cares about this and just really enjoys doing what you do in terms of just making baits. It's not, you're not, you're not trying to set the world on fire. An authentic but, dude making some cool yeah, stuff. You're just making cool stuff and, you know, just doing, you're being yourself. And that's awesome, man. Well, man, I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, likewise, like I said, if you guys are ever looking for an extra guy to come on, let me know. I'll come on anytime. Yeah. Oh, no, we always are. Oh, we're believe me, we are. We're, oftentimes, we're looking for hunks at the last second. So you, hey, put me in the rotation, man. We'll talk <laughs> all the cool stuff, whatever you guys want to do. Like I said, we'll we'll do it. We can we'll be in, coach. <laughs> we can do that. I'm ready to play. Thanks, awesome. guys. Hey, thank, thank you, very much. thank Mike. you. Right, Take care, Thanks, Mike. We'll be Take in touch. Care. See you guys. See you, all right. See ya. I had to shake him on my last case. Big O don't play. Big o don't play.